Yeah. I was going to wear a new button-up that I had, actually. Mm. Shannon found me one at Marshall's, twelve ninety nine as usual. Um, but it's just still kind of chilly and wet today. So It is, yeah. I hoodied it. The weather's a little weird. Yeah. It's going to be 70 degrees tomorrow. And then it's going to be 52 the day after. Mm. And it's like of the next 14 days in the forecast, there's like two days without rain. So it's going to be just gross the next couple of weeks. Great. So, yay. Ah, well. All right. How do we do this again? Uh, we just say we things. Talk? Yeah. Okay. We say things and then Sounds realize easy. that they're wrong later. And, That's right. Okay. Uh, and everything. And then people still listen. People watch Yeah. It. So. Watch us. Really. Half of them on television. Yeah. All right. Can't go wrong. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. You ready? Yes. Let's do it. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 124 of the Goulet Pencast, where fountain pens are still a thing. I am Brian Goulet. I am Drew Brown. And we're here from the Goulet Pen... <laughs> Sorry, your voice sounds so awesome. I just love that, like, low voice when you got the allergies. Yeah, I've got some issues going on right now, but... Yeah, we think it's allergies. We're going to roll with it. Yeah. yeah, I got this yeah. face... Of things happening, so, yeah. Drew but I feel little, great. It'll sound a little different today. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little jealous. I like that low, like, kind of thing. Well, maybe I should sell some, <laughs> sell some products. There you maybe, go. You know, uh, I should finish the intro. Okay, uh, we're here from Beulah Pens to deliver this casual and informal, tangential and extraneous, superfluous and extemporaneous fountain pen show where we talk about what's going on at the Beulah Pen Company and in our fountain pen lives. In today's show, we're going to be talking about what we think are the most beautiful pens on the market today. Uh, inks that we will shy away from because we don't like the name. Hmm. Uh, our most well-traveled pens, ones that have seen the globe. Um, the best pens to use for calligraphy because we're definitely experts on that. Um, and eyedropper filling pens with metal threads, question mark? If we only talked about the things we were experts in, we wouldn't talk about anything at all. We'd be talking about video games and movies from the 80s yeah. and woodworking and cutting down trees. Oh, yeah. um, thank goodness you all listen to us anyway. Um, and then we'll be spotlighting the new Translucence Pilot Kakunos, which those are pretty cool. Uh, and we have two weeks worth of activities to catch you up on because we did not record last week because somebody, somebody wasn't here, but it kind of worked out because I was sick anyway. So I had a sore throat and it would have been not so fun to be on the pencast myself. So it kind of worked out, but anyway, that's what we got going on today. And we'll start it off with some feedback. All right. So this little bucket of feedback is from the pencast that we had where Brian K. dropped by for an interview. Mm -hmm. So um, you remember that way back when? Yeah. Uh, Rat3072 says, cool to hear Drew has continued his safety razor use. Mm -hmm. Amusing part to me is that my journey into safety razors directly led me into getting into fountain pens mm -hmm. and guided me directly to Goulet pens specifically. Way back when just starting out, Goulet pens advertised on a wet shaving enthusiast forum I was a moderator on. That must have been Badger and Blade. Uh -huh. I remember that. Right? We did not do a lot of paid advertising back no, in the day. No, we didn't. We it's, even had a Badger and it Blade. It was really like a sponsor. It was like a, I forget. We had a coupon was, code. Yeah. We had yeah, a Badger and Blade coupon code. That's right. That's right. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was something they typed in and anybody from that forum could get a, a discount on our website. I it was super creative. It might have been like Badger and Blade. Yeah, it might have been. 2014 or something. But that was Whenever a big deal. Was. And I remember Noodlers actually made an ink for that forum. It did, It was yeah. 5 o'clock shadow, I think. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. So that was a nice callback. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess I'm going to call you Rat. Thanks for sticking around <laughs> Thanks, so Rat. long because that was a long time ago. That, that was, was back ago. in the garage days. That was a while ago. Yeah. So really we appreciate you still sticking with us. That's kind of amazing. Yeah. So very cool. Very cool. Um, Beth G says, what's the best thing I got out of this podcast? Not the pen tips, not the new offerings at the store. It was one phrase, wear your happiness. I love that, and I hope I can incorporate it into my everyday life. Thank you, because I said that. Yes, I was going to say that's not <clears throat> a Drew thing. Just get it out there. I'm In fact, more, I'm a little more cynical. I happen to be wearing <laughs> some of my happiness right now. Yes. Because You're nothing makes me happy. to be happy today. Like a Waffle House. <laughs> oh, indeed, oh, yes. Just, just live I, it up. I had Chicken Fiesta for lunch. So, so I where's your Chicken Fiesta happy. shirt? I don't have one. You I should wear that shirt. You know, you have been you have been all about in the last like 365 days. You you have been a pollo party man. It's that's kind of become like your default. Like it's always good. Yeah, and it's nearby. And it's like it's like four minutes away. Yeah, and they have a drive through too. It was the first time I did the drive through, but yeah, it's pretty nice. quick. It there we good. go. I mean, it's always there for me. That it is. And um, <laughs> Max Van Bulgui. Okay. Max says, I prefer company updates at the beginning along with new stuff because it's time-sensitive news, whereas mm. the rest of the pencast is mostly perennial and I can jump into them months or years later. But thanks to the chapter headings on the YouTube videos, I can jump to whatever interests me. Awesome. So thank you. We did try that last week. Glad to hear it was received mm-hmm. well by Max at least. Um, yeah. But really all we were doing was trying to please Max. So we'll keep doing it this way because Max likes we it. We nailed it. Yep. Now that is helpful to know because, I mean – no one part of the pencast is overly burdensome, but it's all these little things that we do and like making sure that we get the timestamps for each chapter and then format it and put it into the YouTube description. Like that is work and something like a conscious thing we have to do every time. So I'm really glad to hear that y'all skip around and we're referencing, especially because it's so long, like yeah. I totally get it. So I'm glad, glad that works out. Good feedback to hear. All right. I got some, this is from Laura RPH. Let's see here. Uh, Next Brian sticker in scuba gear in his cargo shorts, of course, doing a deep dive. Oh, that's appropriate. I really like that. Yeah. Or in bunny bunny ears going down a rabbit hole. You do both of these things. some of us, that would be a top seller. I do both of these things. Yeah. yeah. I like the Brian in scuba gear. Like, because some, like, there's always that moment right before a deep Mm. dive where you start talking about it with that certain tone. And I know I'm like, oh, God. Here we go. He's putting on the flippers. He's putting on the scuba gear. (laughs) That's right. That's pretty good. I've never been scuba diving. I've been snorkeling. Same. Seems like if I lived closer to water and if I was more of a water bug, scuba seems like something I would get into. Probably. It's like, you know, whatever. It's adventurous. It's And there's some outdoors. tech involved. Yeah, there's you, gear. You can get into that, yeah. Yeah, anything that's got gear, gear. I can easily get into that. Yep. It's part of the appeal. I get it. That's cool. That's a neat idea. We'll think on that. Um, all right, left-handed clogger says, Brian's commitment to... But I have to get free shipping is so deeply relatable. Exactly. Yeah. Last you know, time we I were choosing our, if we had to get started with fountain pens with only a $100 budget, you know, you were dedicated to hitting that. Well, I was trying to maximize yeah. that that pen, you know, ROI. There was a lot of comments under this one too. Yeah. Totally in agreement. Like, oh 100%. yeah, of course you got to get that free shipping. Definitely. Yeah. I mean- Speaking as a business owner, there is no such thing as free shipping. I think we all kind of understand that to some degree. It has to be paid for by somebody somehow. So it's just, it ends up getting spread around and all that kind of stuff. But yes, when you can hit it, that is cool. Um, And it's good value to you. And I totally get it because I 
do that for other things in my life too. I buy, yep. I do buy other things besides fountain pens. Um, and I get it. Um, all right. Toby Kirk says the Brian K interview absolutely made my day. We need more Brian K. Hey, that rhymes. Um, well, good. Cause you're going to get that next week. I'm sort of spoiler, spoilering myself from the company updates that we're going to do in a minute, but, uh, I will not be doing the pencast next week. Brian will. So you won't get Brian, but you'll get Brian. So enjoy. Uh, and then Wooby says, Brian, have you checked out Euro Truck Simulator 2 slash American Truck Simulator? I have not, but it is compelling. Just those names makes me want to think about that. I'm imagining that's like a truck hauler, like a truck. I don't know. Like I don't know. But this is in response to you talking about how like you were what, what were you saying were you saying you bought the game or you were thinking no, about I was buying looking the game? at it i think it was called like mud runners or snow runners that or something it, yeah. like that so yeah. you ended up so not pulling like, the trigger on that i haven't t- yeah i don't have time for that right now i was were, sick and i was you that's know, the best time really to play no Truck not games. like i'm sick so i can stay home and relax it was like no i'm sick and i have everything still to do so i have to do it all while i'm sick that was kind of you know my 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 situation yikes and my kids were both getting over their own illnesses oh. too. And I'm, I think they gave me something, but it wasn't bad enough where I was like down and out. It was just bad enough where like, I got to feel crappy as I still had to do everything. I, after, life. since you told me about that, <laughs> I, I so desperately, I, 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 w- I desperately wanted it then. And I desperately want it now. I want you to play a truck driving game. That just would make me so happy. I think it can happen at some point. Yeah. Please. It sounds, do sounds it, do very it, doable. Do it for me, please. Okay. Thank I'll you. look into it. Thank you. I'll, you know, yeah. I, <laughs> I've at least thought about it here and there, but I haven't like even looked it up yet. But I think it would be amazing. Euro Truck Simulator yeah, 2, American Truck Simulator. I now have a couple to follow up on. Uh, all right, that's it for feedback that we got. Let's do a couple of quick company updates. All right, so Drew has a video going out that he thankfully recorded before he sounded like, you know, he's been gargling gravel. Um, so he's doing one on penabling. Um, or did one, I guess. It's already yeah. published at this point. Um, so that was last week. You're going to have a What's New video this week if you're uh, up for it. If you're up for it, right? Was no, that the I think plan? I'm doing it. Or is that next No, because we've got a, a vendor visit this week. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we're yeah, going to yeah. do that next week. Cool. Okay. Well, then never mind. When you're not here. That'll be I'll have plenty of time. Yes, you will. Because like half your meetings get canceled. Yes. I'm not here. Um, and then, like I just mentioned, Brian won't be here, but Brian will in the next pencast. But we'll keep it going. And then I think we we don't have any holes in the schedule for the foreseeable future. So yeah. you'll keep getting more of this. All right, let's move on to new stuff. All right, Pencast folks. Um, sh- shooting this with my phone because it is Thursday afternoon when I'm shooting this. Um, when we shot the Pencast on Tuesday, I didn't have enough info about the whole Lamy Dark Lilac thing um but quite a bit is unfolded in the last couple of days so i wanted to at least get this in here uh, for you all to share what i now know after the last couple of days so um for those of you who don't know um lamy is bringing back dark lilac from 2016 it was their limited edition ink that went with the um safari uh special edition from 2016 it was a very popular ink uh we did not have a lot of it I think only a single batch was ever made and it was gone. So it's been this like coveted ink that um, you have not been able to find very easily, obviously, after it hasn't been sold for eight years. 
Um, I was seeing bottles on eBay selling for like $300 a pop. I mean, recently. So it's crazy. Um, so um, I had heard like rumors that it might come back. And uh, I hadn't mentioned anything about that because obviously I wanted to like confirm everything. But um, as it turns out, some retailers, I guess, in Europe maybe had this ink. And Lamy had not like officially announced this yet. And then somebody bought it, posted about it online. And then Panatic Slack and Reddit and all these places started to kind of blow up of like, oh my gosh, it's coming back, but the color is slightly different. So that's, that's been the drama. And because there wasn't an official announcement or anything, there's been a lot of speculation and I'm not going to say conspiracy theories, but, you know, kind of, um, you know, speculation about the motives or whatever. Um, and just with the la lack of information, you know, it was anybody's guess. Um, as a void to fill there. So um, I really wanted to talk to folks at Lamy and just see like what's going on. Um, it was just, just a lapse in communication, which I'll explain maybe why some of that happened in a minute. Um, but what's important is that we were able to get a sample bottle. Um, literally, I got it yesterday. So um, we're working on, you know, creating assets for it. We've already gotten a blog post up uh, that you can reference. You can see the old versus the new in comparison. I plan to do a much more detailed review. I'm probably going to shoot a whole separate video specifically for that. So that'll be forthcoming, but it's going to take a few days to put that together. Um, but I do have, you know, the old and new right here. I was able to swap it up and look at some comparisons, you know, these types of things. The color is slightly different. It looks more dramatic on a really ink-resistant paper like, you know, a Tomoe um, or something like that. Um, so basically, they tried to replicate the exact color of the ink, but one of the dye components, I believe one of the red dye components, literally is not made anymore, so they couldn't get it. So they did their best to try to recreate the original color, but they couldn't get it exactly. So, you know, best of intentions. I know Lamy's motives were good, but the color is slightly different. It's slightly less vibrant purple. Maybe it leans a teensy bit more brown, not quite as magenta. And um, the sheen is a different color. So if you have a really ink-resistant paper and you're writing with something really wet and kind of heavy, then um, you're going to see a more prominent kind of green sheen as opposed to a very, very light gold sheen that there used to be on the old one. Um, and so it does look a little bit different. But to most people, they would be like, it's a purple ink. What's the difference? Um, so I think it's up to you as to whether you think it's a really drastic difference or not. But um, either way, wanted to get that information out there and talk about a little bit of why it's different. We got that blog post and we'll have the more full review explaining all the differences there. Um, to add to the excitement, um, yesterday, this is on Wednesday the 28th, um, Lamy put out a press release that they have sold Lamy, the company, uh, to Mitsubishi Pencil LTD. So that's the um, company that does Uniball. So um, I had no idea that was coming. That was totally news to me. And this is all as this stuff was unfolding. Um, and what's interesting too, is there's, um, a New York times <laughs> reporter that had gotten wind of this whole Lamy dark lilac thing and thought it was an interesting for a story. So they had reached out to me and that was as I was like waiting to get the ink and all this kind of stuff was unfolding. And then, um, then the Lamy news comes out about the sale. So that's all very new and recent. I have no additional information on that. Y'all can see the press release, but I don't know anything else uh, at this point. But uh, I can say it's interesting 
you know, Lummi's been a family-owned company since 1930. Um, so uh, this is a big deal, big deal. And Lummi's a big company and Mitsubishi is an even bigger company. So, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, my hot take on it just at the moment, not hot take, maybe my my quick quick take on it is, um, you know, I understand it's a large company. Lamy has 80 different countries they sell in, over 15,000 retailers. That's a lot. That's complicated. I wouldn't want to run a company that big. And uh, so I can understand why maybe they wanted to sell. Uh, but what I can say, and I, I don't know any insights into it, but um, what I can say is that I've seen other sales, other companies sell to like private equity firms or, you know, just become a portfolio in some larger company. Um, that doesn't seem like that's what's happening with this one. This is a writing company. Mitsubishi seems to be a very well-run company, very respected. They seem to have a vision for what they want to do with Lamy. So I'm actually, you know, optimistic about it. But who knows? You know, it's a big change. So, um, you know, obviously we'll see how that unfolds. I don't believe it's going to cause any immediate changes. You know, Lamy's got a roadmap for products for the year. Um, I don't anticipate that any of that's going to change. So, you know, we'll update that as it unfolds. But um, that's the newsworthiness. It's not often we have like hot news to share in a pencast, but thought it's at least worth updating you all. And uh, that's what I know at the moment. So um, yeah, be on the lookout for that New York Times article. I don't know when it's going to publish, but it might already be out. Um, but yeah, that should be fun. And you know, hey, it's not often we get so much newsworthiness in the pen world. Uh, I guess there's no such thing as bad press, right? So if you are interested in getting any of the new Dark Lilac ink, we are going to be getting it in soon. I think it's in the U.S. It's just waiting to get to retailers. So I think we'll get it mid next week, probably. So if you want it, go to goodlypens.com, um, check out um, the uh, product page that we have there, and you can sign up for email notification, and then you can know exactly when we get it in. Uh, so um, yeah, do that. We'll have a link down in the product description, in the description of the video here, um, and you can learn more there. All right. I have some Sailor Pro Gears to talk about. This is their smoothie collection. So um, these are the mid-sized Pro Gears, the lar slightly larger ones, not King of Pens, but the ones right in the middle there with the 21K nibs. Um, five different colors. There's Passion Fruit, Cantaloupe, Ocean Water, Blue Moon, and Wild Berry. So these are like mildly translucent, all sort of not pastel-y kind of a colors. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 they're lighter. I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly call them like vibrant, but... No, but they're colorful and they, they definitely match the names. They're so, fun. Yeah, they are fun. Um, cantaloupe especially, like, I just, I loved cantaloupe as a kid. I think that was my favorite fruit growing up was cantaloupe. Cantaloupe is one of the few the things I just do not like. Really? No. Cantaloupe, oh, so avocado, good. cottage cheese, won't <sighs> touch them. Cottage cheese is kind of gross. Yeah. Like... I mean, more power to you if you like it. It's pretty healthy, but I just don't like yeah. it at all. No, and I've, yeah. I've tried, I haven't tried cottage cheese very often, but I continuously mm. try guacamole. And if someone's like, oh my God, this you've got to try this cantaloupe, I'll try it. I'm like, no, it's always bad. Really? No. That's so surprising. It's so like squishy and slimy and it, it doesn't is. have a lot of flavor. I don't see the appeal. The flavor is a little more subtle. It's like yeah. all the flavor comes from the additives. I just don't understand why. I never had anything in cantaloupe. Oh, sorry. Out. I'm talking about guacamole now. Sorry. Oh, guacamole. Oh, no. Yeah, guacamole. Yeah, avocado has no flavor. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, I don't see the it's appeal. Just, yeah. Yeah. But like cantaloupe, I'm like, eh, it's mm. just, it kind of just tastes like lame watermelon. It's different than watermelon. It's got a different texture to it. It is more, way more I dense, obviously, yeah. And it's like, it's a kind of fruit that you like, it's kind of like watermelons. You can't just like have a little bit of it. You got to get the 
whole big thing and you got to cut it up and it's kind of an ordeal. Yeah. And one of the reasons so. I don't like it is whenever you have like, okay, you're at a restaurant and it comes with like some mixed fruit or something like that. Mm. It, you know, in it's your, like a filler fruit. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Honeydew, it, honeydew. A lot of a lot of people throw shade at honeydew yeah. because it's like when you get a fruit salad kind of a thing, it's like half honeydew. It's filler. Like if I, yeah. if you tell me I'm getting a fruit bowl, I'm like, oh, strawberries, blueberries, you know, mm. berries, you know. But then you get and it's a you know giant like Rubik's cube size you know blocks of melon. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> you tell me I'm getting a fruit bowl and you give me a tiny bowl with like you know, cubes in it and like a strawberry. Yeah. Shameful. Yeah. It feels like the berries are always, you know, well, they're more expensive. I think that's why. Yeah. They always get the, the, the shaft. I, I, don't, I don't like being duped. Yeah. We bought a honeydew this weekend and Ellie asked me to cut it up. I think I got a couple of pieces of it. And then by the following morning, she had eaten the entire thing. That yeah. girl can destroy some fruit. Just destroys it. She would probably eat nothing but fruit if we let her. But anyway, she likes veggies too. Anyway, this is not why you're here, but well, we stayed mildly on topic. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about fruit, right? Well, that, that um, you know, but, we don't have yeah. a lot of new stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just keep talking about this. Anyway, $312 for those. Full range of nib sizes on there. Um, y'all know the pro gear probably at this point. Just more colors of them. They look kind of cool. So go check those out. What do you got, Drew? I've got a new Visconti, Brian. A new limited edition Visconti. One of the big boys. Okay. So this is their Year of the Dragon. So it is a Mm. major, major release. Not a a run-of-the-mill Visconti here. Mm -hmm. It's going to be selling for $4,796. So definitely an investment there. Yeah, Yeah, somebody's pocket. I don't know. It's a pretty big pocket. Um, It is uh, covered in sterling silver, plated with gold, Mm. with a lot of colored enamel over it. Very detailed presentation. You know, we'll throw up an image so you can check that out. It's a very, very in-depth design. It's a very subtle pen. Oh, know, subtle. Kind of exactly. That's what I was, that was what I was, yeah. that's the word I was looking for. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so you do have an in-house 18 karat gold nib made by Visconti and it has mm-hmm. the double reservoir power filler, but it has a threaded uh, cap, which is something that is more common mm-hmm. with these limited edition Viscontis. They usually don't have the hook safe lock. Yeah. They usually go like, with the yeah. threads mm-hmm. um, and it's limited to 224 pieces worldwide. Interesting. It's an interesting number, 224. Yeah. They usually like their eights. They usually end things on eights. Yeah, maybe it's a so. year of the dragon thing. I don't know. I don't know. Um, going to the far other side of the budgetary spectrum, we're mm. looking at the Retro 51 Tornado Rollerball Dog and Cat Rescue version five. So if they've had ah, five yeah. dog and cat rescue pens, the proceeds of which go to help like literally the dog and cat rescue yeah. uh, efforts. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are going to be $56.50. The Tornado Rollerball is familiar, tried and true. If you've tried one, you've tried them all. But the designs are really what keep us coming back to these Retro 51 pens. And the dog and cat designs are fun, whimsical, classic. You can't get enough dogs, can't get enough cats. They are covered in multiple breeds, colors, and assorted shapes and sizes of cats and dogs or both if you want it if you are both a dog and a cat person mm-hmm. you got one of each if you want it so yeah. those are available now and they got some rickshaw sleeves to go along they with do have too, matching right? rickshaw so, sleeves for 21 dollars a pop if yeah. they can stay in stock right now we only yeah. have the dog we are all out of the cat as the, we uh, reco- the cat, as yeah. we are recording this yes so but it exists it does exist it is a thing yeah and it's like the shorter ones too, because they the, fit the retros. Most of the other rickshaw single pen sleeves that we carry 
are more full length, but like the retro, the rollerballs are they're shorter. They don't, have, you know, so they are slightly shorter. So just be aware of that. If you're they're not if for you're fountain like, pen, oh, I they're just like the CAD you retro rollerballs. I mean, it's you can put a fountain pen in it. Yeah, it might just they're actually pretty stick great. Out a little bit. Yeah. They're actually pretty great for smaller fountain pens. I have a, that's true. I have That's a true. two Good for pocket pens. Um, yeah. yeah, I have a two uh, rickshaw uh, retro case, and I have my Pilot Stargazer and my E95S in there. Oh, that's perfect. It is perfect size for that. Yeah. Very cool. All right, um, there's definitely a lot of new stuff, so be sure to check out our new arrivals on Goulet pens as well as coming soon. We have committed to a lot of things. The yes, our our project <laughs> management software that we manage all of our new products in is rather robust. Um, so there's a lot of new things coming f- this year. Um, but yeah, definitely it's, it's this, this time last year, it was like, okay, wow, there's not much, but it's very different this year. It is so very different this year. Hope y'all are enjoying all the things that are coming out. All right. So um, I think it's time for Q and A. Yes. All right. Number one. Let's do Q it. for you to a okay. is from bullheaded Giovanni. Mm. And Giovanni says, what do you think are the most beautiful fountain pens on the market? On the market, Brian. Wow. So I read that as currently Me available. Me being the indecisive pen person that I am, just literally of it, all pens that are it appears, currently made. It appears that you have fewer than 20 here. And so I'll, I'll give you. I did have to. I pared down my list. Wow. And wow. I had to cut myself off. I'm proud of you. It's, it's, it's not a full page. It's not, but there's still plenty. Um, and I found out I have very bougie tastes. Didn't intend that to happen. It, 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 um, it doesn't start bougie, but it it gets there real it gets quick. Gets there real, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, yeah, and actually, I added. You know, well, I'll explain it yes. as I go through my list. Yes. Um, so, truthfully, honest, we have enough just to keep our heads around here with the stuff we carry. I'm sure there are other beautiful pens elsewhere that we don't carry. I just didn't have any that came to mind. And as I started building out my list of pens I was already familiar with, the list was so robust anyway, I was like, I don't need to go. So this is all Goulet stuff that we carry. So just, you know, be aware of that. Um, I'm sure if there are other beautiful pens out there that we don't carry, feel free to leave them in the comments and, you know, we can take a look at them and Mm -hmm. stuff like that just to be aware. Please, yes. Um, We like pretty pens. Because, yeah, this is the kind of question that's like, it's great for us to answer, but it's obviously entirely subjective um but this is also where we can get nice insights from you all and you can get insights from each other about what pens you think are beautiful so um first one that i had on here i was trying to like start more attainable accessible because i thought it might get unreasonable pretty quickly and it definitely did um so my on my more attainable side i had the monte grappa elmo beach now this is our exclusive so i'm obviously a little biased on this but i love this material because first off, I love swirly materials. I love swirly like contrast. So like the blues with white swirls, like that kind of thing, when it can be not that like hazy sort of blended together, but like really distinct color swirls, that to me looks really beautiful. And this one in particular kind of reminds me of some like the early Canalea pen stuff that you would see where it was like early Jonathan Brooks materials Mm -hmm. where it kind of like told a story yes. throughout the resin. We were able to get that effect on it was this like a, Elmo Beach. Almost like a uh, landscape. Yeah, that's kind of what this Elmo Beach has going mm-hmm. on. So, I mean, the turquoise color is beautiful. 
but then it just literally looks like a beach. And I just, I love that look. I follow a lot of people on like Instagram and stuff like that, that do like resin pours over top of like wood things like decorative art stuff. And this exact aesthetic of like pouring like, you know, a turquoise or blue and then having some like white swirls and then like blending that in and making it look like a shoreline with the waves crashing. That is exactly what this pen looks like. So I just think it's gorgeous. Um, and of course you get that like rhodium plated steel nib on these things. It just makes, you know, Monograppa's steel nibs are just, just that little bit nicer looking than your average steel nib. So, um, all around, I think that pen is just absolutely beautiful. Um, and just the shape of it, the balance is nice. The clip is really complimentary. So it's just, it's a really good, beautiful pen. Um, and then I quickly went into the four figures, um, but before, Towards the end of my list, I was like, oh, I have another one that's like a little cheaper. So I put that up uh, closer to the front here. So I, I'm like progressively getting more expensive and then I'm just off the rails uh, very quickly. But the next one I have is the Platinum 3776 Sands of Komodo. So this is a North American exclusive. It's honestly not that different of an aesthetic than the Elmo Beach. Uh, it's a beautiful turquoise color, um, more leaning on the blue side of turquoise than green. And it's got rose gold trim. So it's like a translucent turquoise rose gold trim. It just looks so good. I remember when I saw it for the first time, it was before the pen had been released. I got to see like a pre-release kind of launch. You know, we saw our distributor at, uh, I think it was at the DC show actually last year two years ago, last year, last year, it must've been last year. Um, and I got to, they like had the pen and they were like, do you want to see the pre-release sample? And I saw it and I was like, Oh yes. I think, please. do you think it was their best one since Kumpu? Oh, well, Kumpu was amazing. I since Kumpu, like the best one since then. I mean, best is subjective, but it's been my favorite. Yeah. You know? I think they've done a lot of like whites and clears and like very subtle colors. Yeah. This one, like, is, is much louder. Yeah. Just, I really like the, I love the color. The rose gold complements it perfectly. So I really like that one. Um, and then everything else I have is really expensive stuff, but that's okay because we can all look, I don't have any of these. Uh, I don't have most of these pens. I've one of the ones on my list further down, but um, anyway, um, it's basically all Maki ape stuff. I yeah. just couldn't, I mean, it's like when I was looking through our site and I was looking at the pictures, I was like, Oh God, these are just, just so beautiful. That's like the point of these pens. Yeah. Um, it's art. Yeah, it is. So I had the Sailor King of Pens, uh, Toro to Geku. So the tiger in the moonlight. Um, you know, I don't have like a specific affinity towards tigers. I think they're cool. You know, they got a vibe about them. Um, so it's a little less of like, oh, I love the tigers. But it's like, for me, I mean, I'm really a sucker for anything blue. And especially like blue Machia. You just don't see it as often. No especially from Sailor. So it's like when you're seeing the like water, cause it's like, you know, in the moonlight, but it's like kind of like a water scene that these tigers are near like the edge of a watery situation. Um, it just looks really, really stunning. And it gets kind of that swirly kind of look. I don't know. I just love it. Love the aesthetic of it. Um, and so I think that one is really cool, but it's a lot of money. I forget how much, but whatever. Just go look at it. It's a cool looking pen. Um, the Tachia Miyabi Bonbori Cherry Blossoms. Uh, I love cherry blossoms. Rachel loves cherry blossoms. It's kind of like our, you know, we, it's a joint love thing that we have. Um, it just looks stunning. It's like that, that like black Yerushi with like just the slightest like hint of red. You I'll know, have to look almost, that one up. I don't have that in my brain. Yeah. I, I had links to it here so I could just like kind of show you real quick. Um, oh. so it's that one. Yeah. Oh yes. So it's got, you know, the, the, I mean, it's, it's rotten, That's but it's stunning. like, it's like 
they cut out the 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 um, the shell to be basically like the shape of cherry blossom, you know, flowers. Um, and then it's got some like sprinkled kind of rotten, but it's, you know, you get these really distinct cherry blossom flowers. You usually see um, like multicolored rotten and not like, yeah, you don't this see is like, more like here's one unit of pink yeah, rotten, I don't know one if unit this of is, blue. Yeah, it might be a mother of pearl instead of abalone shell. It's I don't still know beautiful. It says um, specifically what is used. I don't think it does. It just says inlaid rotten. Uh, but to me, it looks more like a like a mother of pearl, like more of a consistent. Look. I just but don't know how they have a it's, specific color like that. That's they have to they have to like find pieces of shell that you know that match each other That's to wild. get that. So it's like it's just the craftsmanship is superb. Honestly, like for, grand, yeah, for under two grand though, I know that's kind of a great deal. And I love, I don't know, I love this effect with Rodden when they're like, there's like a not like an ombre effect, but like it's really dense, like yeah. at the end of the cap, and then it like kind of dissipates as it goes down the pen. Yeah. It's got that going on both ends. I'm a kind of sucker for that. Um, so I don't know, it just looks really rad. I like that pen. I think it's beautiful. Um, and then I have. Continuing on, the Namiki Emperor Makie, uh Rakucho Birds, and Weeping Cherry Blossom. So again, kind of a sucker for the cherry blossoms. Interesting. There's, you know, emperors are usually really, really detailed. I mean, Namiki does a phenomenal job. I think in terms of like quality of the craftsmanship, it, you really can't top Namiki uh, in terms of their Makie. Um, this one also has the rotten like kind of stuff going on, but the cap, which I'm a sucker for, but I mean the color on the bird and just like the flowers and the pattern, like it's just, there's a lot of great details on here. I'm not going to say it's like my favorite emperor they've ever done, but of the ones currently available, of the ones currently available. This one is definitely the one that jumped out to me. I get tattoo vibes from this pen. Yeah. The the bird kind of looks like a, you know, Mm. kind of like classic tattoo colors. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I like it. That's cool. But you don't often see things like green and red and yellow, like these blues and stuff. I don't know. The bird itself especially has a lot of color going on. I just think it's really beautiful. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Let's see here. What else? Um, This is a little more subtle, but the Namiki Aya pen. You are a fan of the Aya. I love the Aya. It's a big pen. You know, it's a nice canvas. I mean, all these all these Maki pens are pretty big. Um, Specifically, I, I said the Tokiwa green one. That one. That's a good one. That's the one with kind of like the hills, right? It's got the hills yeah. and it's got like rotten dust kind of sprinkled yeah. throughout it. I just and it's one of the more it. visible ones, I think. Like I yeah, like I like yeah. blue, but I think the blue against the, the black, blues, it's harder to it's see. It's a little subtle. The yeah. green, yeah. I think, is a little bit more visible. I think mm-hmm. that's that's my only complaint with the Aya is that black, I think yeah. that sometimes the colors are a little too subtle. They're very subtle. But the green, yeah. I, I think the green is my favorite, yeah. too. I, think I love the rod, the rod and the sprinkle throughout. Yeah. It like, really does it for me. If it was just the hills, I'd be like, oh, okay. Because green is not like my go-to color necessarily. Yeah. Usually blue is. You know, I wonder if they had like the rotten dust kind of sprinkling mm, on the blue one. Yeah. That would probably be my favorite. Maybe. Um, that one kind of puts it over the top to me. So that and then couple that with um, that two-tone Mount Fuji Namiki, you know, the number 30 nib that's on there. I mean, the Emperor nib is also gorgeous. It's got the same Mount Fuji on it, um, but that's just a beautiful nib. And then last but not least, this one is also Yurushi, but it's not 
full-on Machier, like the crazy design. It's a pilot custom Irushi oh, yeah. uh, Vermilion. Um, so again, red is not necessarily like, oh my gosh, I have to have red. But Vermilion is like its own thing, and it like is beautiful, and I appreciate it for what it is. It's super, super traditional Irushi color. Um, and that custom Irushi, I just friggin' love that pen. And that it's got the same number 30 nib that the Aya has, but it's... It's slightly more affordable, you know. You do have one of those, right? I, I did. Yeah. You don't yeah, have an Aya, though, do you? I don't have an Aya. You should have an Aya. I couldn't justify it. You should have an Aya. <laughs> yeah. It's not me you got to talk to you about that one. Oh, man. Um, but, you know. I hear development reviews are coming up soon. Do you get like some sort of That's you know right. bonus or something? Can you can you put that into your? <laughs> I don't get I don't get uh, spot bonuses. Can you ask Rachel to give you an evaluation so that you can? You <laughs> oh know, boy, I don't know can, if I want Rachel's evaluation. Oh, I think yeah. I'm good staying in the dark on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but the uh, the pilot custom Urushi, beautiful pen. It's I don't know. I I don't even know if I could say that it's more. Um, uh, uh, like reasonable than these other pens because it's also, it's it's the pen is a bit extra. I think the but, Aya has reasonability going for it, despite yeah, it's, it's, it's more it's more subtle and it's a large pen though. I mean, but it, for as far as bang for buck goes, well, yeah, I mean, it's pretty Aya, solid. Yeah, the Aya you're looking three thirty five hundred something like that, so it's still an investment. It is, but any other pen that size with any sort of you know maquillage work on yeah, it is going to be twice that. It's going to be a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, <coughs> Uh, Tachi has got some really good. Like, Tachi, yeah. As far as bang for the buck, you got to go with Tachi. Yeah. Like to me, like the 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 fit and finish, like the polish on the the Tachi Machier versus Namiki is not of the same caliber, but it also doesn't feel like it's like it's not garbage. Like it no. still looks incredible. They're a little bit more liberal with their kind of exploratory art. Yeah, they than, do a lot of different designs yeah. and stuff like that. Namiki is like you can tell that very traditional like that literally hundreds of years that they're, they're keeping in that tradition. And there. generally yeah. Machia on a black canvas. It's yeah. rare that they put it they on a different canvas. Much. Yeah. But you know, like you yeah. said with the sailor tiger pen and mm-hmm. Tasha, they will, they'll put some Machia on there. a different sort of canvas yeah. too. Yeah. Um, but the pilot custom Yurushi, I mean, that one is, a, it's a more conventional pen. It's not a limited edition. Most of these other ones are limited. Um, but it's just a, it's a simple, beautiful, very large pen that writes phenomenally. So I like that one. So there's a lot of other ones I could have mentioned. There's, I mean, literally I could put pretty much any Machia pen on here because I think they all look amazing. Um, and yeah, that's, that's it. That's where I'm going to stop myself. Right well, I'm there. really glad that they mentioned in this case, um, Giovanni, uh, on the market because that helps mm-hmm. me a lot because there's yeah. a lot of pens no longer available. Oh, sure. Oh, my God. So many. Yeah. So that was helpful. Honestly, I'm going to start low. The first pen, per, the first pen that came to my mind was the Pilot E95S. Yeah. I yeah. think that as far as like there's nothing I don't like about that pen visually, mm-hmm. the, the um, specifically the maroon and the ivory. I mean, like that it. pen looks so gorgeous. I, I Like every time I use it, I, I just stare at it. Mm. I just think the profile, the colors, everything about it works mm. so well together. It is absolutely gorgeous. And Even just like the lines, like the gold like lines on it. It looks like pinstriping on a car. Absolutely. It's just like I absolutely. designing that pen, I wouldn't like thought to put that there. But the fact that it's there, you're like, oh yeah. It's oh that just seems right. It's perfect. I, yeah. I love it so much. And just because it is, you know, on it's the most affordable gold nib that I believe is currently on the market doesn't mean that it doesn't deserve a spot like as one of the most beautiful pens I've ever seen. So 100%. Um, Jumping up way in price uh, is the David Oscarson Koi. Mm, Um, I almost mentioned Oscarson on here. All of the Oscarson stuff is amazing. 
His sea turtles and his koi, though, jump to the front of my mm, list. Mm-hmm. The koi, I think, is a little bit more detailed than the sea turtles. Mm-hmm. But if you hold one of those in your hand, if you ever have the opportunity to go to a pen show and to see David Oscarson's booth and have the you know opportunity to hold one of these up close and see the level of detail in these pens, you will get lost in them. They're every bit as complex as a Machia pen, but they have a depth to them that mm-hmm. is just alluring they they have uh textures you know they've got um guillotte happening below the lacquered surface or it's a glass surface actually um it's just an incredible thing to behold and a pen you could stare at for hours so i think they're all beautiful but koi i think you know takes the taco on this one i did not choose any machia i i you know i went back and looked and what is my current favorite i don't know um but really i think in general and this might be a hot take i think chinkin is prettier than Machia. That is um, a hot take. It, I, <laughs> I don't think most people are with you on that one. Yeah, it, it is beautiful though. I I, I prefer those, the yeah. simplicity of the Chinkin pen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I also prefer it's like you can you can I think visually more connect with the handwork on a Chinkin pen mm. more so than a Machia pen because you you can almost see every single stroke oh, yeah. that the artist did. Yeah. And when you see a Machia pen, you see the painting and you know a hand did that, but mm-hmm. it's almost so complex. It's like, yeah, it's like there's like layers built up. So you yeah. can't necessarily see yeah. you know, each stroke of the it's it's like brush. it's it's kinda of, it's kinda of like seeing, you know, a, a big brushed kanji character or something like that, where mm. sometimes that is more impressive Mm. In its simplicity, mm. because you can see stroke, stroke, stroke. Like, wow, mm. that's just it, the way it comes together. So I think Chinkin, the engraving aspect of the Chinkin, to me, connects more on a beautiful level. Mm. So, um, And I honestly picked a more simple version. So the pine tree Chinkin pen mm. is one of the more simple ones. They've got the cat and the rooster that are more complicated. and yeah, the dragon. But as far as, you know, what I find beautiful... I like the simplicity and the overall coverage and the balance of the Chinkin pine tree pen. I think that it covers the pen in a really good way. There's not like one point of it like the cat or like the dragon Mm -hmm. or the tiger or the rooster where it's like, okay, all of your focus is on this middle part. I think the pine tree does a good job Mm -hmm. and the um, the cherry blossoms too. A good Mm -hmm. job in kind of balancing out the art from top to bottom. So that Mm -hmm. pen has always had my heart, will continue to have my heart. That is a cool looking pen. I would love to have that one day. You know, we'll see. Mm, Yeah. And um, currently still available is the Sailor Kabazaiku pen. Mm -hmm. I don't believe it's going to be available. I think that what we have is it. I think once Mm -hmm. they're sold, they're going to be gone for good. Um, But, you know, holding this pen in hand, it has a very thin wood wrap so it's like shaved wood and then they wrap mm-hmm. the wood around a brass barrel mm-hmm. so it's not a wooden pen per se yeah it's like but it does like a bark so it's like yeah it's not yeah. it's not i've never seen another wood pen that looks like this no, exactly yeah but it's got gold hardware which just marries up beautifully with the brown wood mm-hmm. and it's got lacquer above the wood too so it's a it's a as far as a pen that incorporates wood it's probably the most stable version you could ever possibly get in incorporating a wood into a fountain pen. Mm. And I find it to be stunning. Every single one of them is uniquely different. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I find that pen to be just, just beautiful. That's cool. And honestly, $472, that's a pretty darn good price. I'm, I'm mm. amazed that this pen didn't fly off the shelves. I'm also amazed that mm. I haven't bought one yet, but like you said, you know, we don't we don't have to own yeah, all these. It's yeah. just the ones you think are beautiful. So yeah. that's my list. Very cool. It's a solid list. I, I support that. 
Yeah, I almost mentioned Oscarson too, but I was like, I gotta, gotta cut it off. I'm already, mm. I'm already in the stratosphere. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, if y'all have opinions too, let us know what you thought of anything we mentioned, and then if you have your own, obviously, um, that'd be great to hear too, because there are many beautiful pens out there. It's definitely part of what we get to enjoy in this fountain pen hobby is just the pens themselves as works of art. All right, I got a question for you, Drew. Okay. All right, this is from SN11. Are there any inks that you don't buy because of their name or any inks that you buy only because of their name instead of another of the same color and maybe some similar properties? I noticed Iced Cookies is a wonderful ink, but I've been avoiding it because of the name. Ever happened uh, something similar to you? So, uh, yes. I'm sure this has happened to you. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, like, I know that you're not this type of person. Like, I don't... I'm less impacted, but I get it. I totally, I, I totally care. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a total sucker for names. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the first mm. thing that comes to mind, you know, pet inks that I invo- avoid, <clears throat> mm. Sailor Ink Studio. I'm oh, sorry. Come on. I, I, I can't. Just the numbers. I can't yeah. connect with it exactly. Yeah. Like, I, remembering numbers. Mm. I don't know, the phone number, or the address to this building. What? Yes. We've been here six and a half years. Yes. The, I, the phone number hasn't changed. I no, uh, ever actually. We've had the same phone number for thirteen and a half years. Is it three eight nine eight zero four three six eight three six? God, see, <laughs> so zero four eight two. Nope, <laughs> nope. See, I'm getting that confused. With my wife's number now. I don't know. No, I don't. Yeah. Numbers in my brain. I used to manage the customer care team. If I answered these phones, if I ever need to write a return address on an envelope of a letter that I'm sending, I go to our website, scroll to the bottom, contact us. Wow. Is it 1590? Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Two, three, two, two, eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's in there. All right. It's in there. Uh, But I still look it up every time. Well, I mean, yeah. I still look it up every time. Verify that you got it right. If you, I look it up every time. I. I struggle so much mm. to comprehend numbers and to, they just don't stand there. So for me, Sailor Ink Studio, having a hundred different inks, all named just numbers, mm. that kills me. It's like, no, like there's not. Now I will say of, there are a few inks in there that are unique enough for me to stick it out mm. and to love them anyway. And of those, I gave them new names. So Sailor 224 is um, Thunder Fluff, Sailor 123 is Rain Fluff, and Sailor 173 is Oink. So, um, because it's an orange and pink, so orange and pink combined makes oink. So, uh, that I've done because they deserve it. Those colors are unique. You can't find them elsewhere. Kind of, unless you're looking at Neko Yanagi or whatever, but anyway, they're worth the name. Everything else though, I'm sorry. They're not unique enough for me to pay attention to them. I can find another ink of similar hue somewhere else with a more easily recognizable name. Literally what the question was is like, is there any that you buy? You know, yep. something similar because it's got a different name. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, on the other side, I will also avoid inks that have long names because when I'm just doodling, if I just wanted to write mm. something, like I'm just right here, I was just like bored, and I wrote down, I don't know, the name of this ink. I wrote "Die My Noel," and I just mm. write that. If I don't have anything to write, I write the name of the ink. I yeah, write it down to, you know. So I'm not going to write down "Amethyst de Laurel." Don't want to do it. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm pretty sure I know how to spell it, but I don't. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to write. I'm not going to write down Monbado's hat. I just, I'm not. I don't want to deal with that it. one. Doesn't roll off the tongue. No, very not going to deal with it. So, because that is like one of our most popular colors. It's a nice color, but there's other purples out there. Yeah. So, 
Um, no, I will definitely avoid long. If, if it's if it's more than two words, no, get out of here with that. Um, I ain't got time for you. Uh, there's not there's there are plenty of inks out there, out there that I can remember. Okay, how more do you easily. feel about something like iced cookies? Because iced cookies is a nice color, but it it has nothing to do with iced cookies. Like it's like it's like like a blue color, isn't it? So how do you feel about ones that? don't necessarily have like long or offensive names, but it just like doesn't relate or match the color. I don't care at all. Really? No. In fact, um, I thought you'd been picky about that. Nah, now I'm picky about other random things that don't matter. (laughs) Um, fair enough. So, uh, (laughs) Robert Auster has thunderstorm Mm -hmm. and summer storm. Okay. I like those names so much. I would write with them regardless of what the color was, whatever the color, it could be puce and I would be writing with it. I don't even care. I want to write thunderstorm, summer storm. Like I was just telling you yesterday Mm -hmm. how much I love daytime uh, rain. Yeah. Cause it was like raining, but the sun was still out and I was like, that's so crazy. Summer storm to me, it, it, it it puts that in my head and I Mm -hmm. love that. I love like warm, bright rain. I had something yeah. about it. So, so summer huh. storm, I don't care. I'm luckily they're both amazing colors. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that. But I would like be, I would use them anyway. I would be right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. Um, and then, uh, you know, I used to love writing, uh, dark matter when, uh, I was using noodlers, dark matter back in the mm-hmm. day. That was a fun one to write. Mm. So sometimes I will, if it's got a cool name, I will just, I'll come and check it out. And yeah. It. Okay. Fair enough. See what's going Fair on enough. there. Yeah. But yeah, names definitely do matter for me. They can't be too long. Mm. They got to sound cool or the color needs to be banging for me to put mm. up with a nonsensical name, Sailor. Yeah. Do you have any that you keep in your regular rotation that you'll use despite its long or non-preferential name in your opinion? Does anything come to mind? Um, no, nothing comes to mind. I think about... Uh, no, I generally, I generally like, uh, you know, two words or less. Mm. There's probably one out there that makes an exception, but I can't think of one. And yeah. honestly, I don't ink up a lot of repeats. I really don't. Yeah. No. Yeah. Cause you're always changing out samples and stuff. There's right? a couple mainstays like winter spice. I'm always, mm-hmm. you know, I usually go back to that well at some point, but, yeah. uh, no, I like to jump around. In fact, I think Fair it's enough. time for a thunderstorm. Haven't done that one in a while. That one might need to make Break a comeback. Yeah, got to go on a couple of rainy weeks coming up here. It'd be very yes. appropriate. Yes. Um, what about you? Yeah, for me, it doesn't matter quite as much. My preferences are maybe a little different than yours. Um, maybe. I definitely, you know, from the early days of Goulet Pens, if y'all remember, we used to write handwritten thank you notes on every single order. Um, back when we like printed out the orders and then we went to doing cards. So there was a lot, probably like even still today, the majority of my fountain pen writing experience was probably writing thank you notes on orders because we did, I mean, so many tens of thousands of those. I'm not even joking over the years. Um, so there was definitely a time where I'd be like, Noodler's blue. I'd be like, yes, Noodler's blue is good. PR red or, you know, whatever. It's like anything I could abbreviate was great. Robert Austin yep. would be R-O. It made me so sad because we just we couldn't use a Roshizuku because nobody wanted to write that out. Oh, I just wrote Pilot. I just or wrote we do Pilot Eero sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even still, Kanpeki, that one's pretty short. One's I pretty love good. writing Yamabudo. Big Y, mm, that's Big a good one. B. Oh, yeah. I liked, I loved writing Diamine Marine. That's a fun one, yeah. Because you got the big swirl with the D. See, I'm a little jealous. You got Drew. You got that. D. That's I know. Like, such a great. My, I'm just, yeah, I got I a do, B. I B is like big, a. I, B is not a. Oh, I, I like because I, I don't like B. I like a big B. I got nah. D squiggle, C squiggle, B squiggle. I'm like, that's it. 
Oh yeah, that's right. You got the B in the last name. DCB ah, see, I baby. Like, I don't like the. I don't like the B. B. My B's are not very flowy. Oh, you know, because like I, it's all disjointed. You yeah. have to like you oh, can't you just, just you can't just whoop. move continuously. Yeah. You do a line. Oh, okay. And then, yeah. See, I don't. Yeah. You know what else I, I can do? do? Way, I yeah. can also do my initials like this. Boom. One line. Oh, that three looks, bumps. Okay, that's a lot happening right there. It's not. It's one line and three bumps. <laughs> okay. It's simplicity, but it's a vertical initial. Okay. I'm swanky there like that. Go. There you go. Yeah, there I go. Mine don't gel so well. B, C, and G. There's a lot of conflicting shapes happening. Yeah. Within G's those. are fun to write, though. Yeah, they're okay. Well, they're see, okay. I, I I don't write cursive uppercase G's. Yeah, that's I, what I have to write no, I get literally all the time. I don't deal with it. Every I, signature, it's B's a print, and G's, that's a, what I got. It's a print G. Yeah. I just say, screw it. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You know what else I'm really terrible at? I'm... Tangenting a little bit here, but in my own last name, you know, G. So I got the big weird G, which I never do consistently. And then like, oh, you okay? That's fine. But then I have the the looped L, and then the little E, and then the T, which I then have to come back and cross. Mm-hmm. Half the time I have you know no loop on my L. And then the T, I end up losing. Yep. Oh, yeah. All the time. Or like I do the L and the E are like the same size. Well, I've got that happening. In, I've got that. If I ever write out my middle name, Clayton, I've got the L and the T there. Yeah. Yep. And exactly. 100% garbage. Same kind of thing. Garbage. Right? Yep. It's just ever present. No, no consistency. Gula is not, it's not the easiest last name to write in cursive. There's worse ones for sure. Yeah. But it's just, there's a lot of just like weird stuff happening in there. Yeah. Um, I love uppercase L's. Those are amazing. Those are pretty Uppercase cool. D's are pretty good too. Um, yeah. I actually like L's, and, I think are my favorite. I actually think that Google is cool because you can end your word on a T. That is true. Like you, when I'm signing it and I just like, bah, yeah, just go across cool. in the back. I actually do a yeah. T in one stroke. I go up, down, poof, you know. Oh, okay. Kind of like, kind of yeah. like a, you like when you're doing a star all yeah. in one line, yeah. you know, up, down. There are definitely times, I mean, most of the time I'm crossing like both my L and my T. Nice. So if I'm not looping my L and am looping my T and I have a crossover both of them, Nobody's going to know what my name is anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Gallet, Goulet, whatever. I'm like, it's Goulet, like Chevrolet. And then people are like, oh, okay. Americans, that's like the only way that they know it. Anyway, um, what were we talking about? I don't think it was anything about this. Oh, ink colors, yeah. Um, so if I like the color, I'll get the ink. And the name won't really deter me that much one way or the other. Now, back in the day, you know, I used to love like one of my favorite colors early, early on. Um, was Private Reserve DC Super Show Blue. That one is a nightmare to write over and over and over and over and over again. So I would abbreviate. I would do all this crazy stuff. If you have one of those early notes from me, I don't even know if you know what ink that was because it'd be like PRDCS Blue or whatever the heck. Supper Blue. I abbreviated all kinds of things. It was a great color though. I loved that color because it's like very vibrant blue. Um, But yeah, that one was pretty crazy. Um... I like Diamine Marine was a good one. D is good, nice and flowy. Mm-hmm. And then Diamond, you know, just the I A like M's. Mm, I E N E Boopa. You're just like, Pow. yeah. You can go really fast with that one. So I liked, I liked that one. Marine, same thing. Um, that was really good. And then let's see here, what else? Um, yeah, the only time that I avoid using an ink, like I mentioned, is when I have to write it out a lot, and it just is really long, or I can't spell it, or it's got too much you know, of the complicated letters that I mess up all the time, you know, T's and L's and stuff like that. Those are not necessarily my favorite or Z's and Q's and stuff like that. I'm not, not the best at. Um, 
but yeah, pretty much like if I like the color, I'll just use it. Great. Um, I was trying to think of like specific examples. I really don't necessarily have any. It's really more about the ink. How do you feel about, how do you feel about the uh, ink studio inks? Are you fine jump, jumping in there? I mean, for me, it's like, I can't remember which one is which. Yeah. That's so my it's, thing. it's less about like, I avoid using it because of the name. It's more just like, I can't really remember one to the other. Cause yeah. I'm kind of like you, like the numbers are not my forte. It's like, and I'll, and I'll find what, like, honestly, there was a time recently, I believe it was one of your Lamy videos mm -hmm. where you had recommended an ink studio ink. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's a really good ink. And now I'm like, I don't know what it was. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's just a bunch of digits. Yep. Yeah. Which, Shame. You know, I mean, got great inks in there. Beautiful yeah. colors. I mean, if you look at the whole palette, the Ink Studio is 100 colors. If you look at the whole palette, there is more or less an order to the numbering. So once I understood that, it was kind of like, oh, okay, I can, you know, I still can't, like, you can't tell me a number and I'd be like, oh, yeah. it looks like that. But you at least kind of know, like, light to dark and, you know, hue and stuff like that. It gets, you know, it, it moves over um, and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, still is a lot to remember. So, yeah, I don't know. Less picky, but I get it. All right. Move, ready to move on to three? I think so. All right. Uh, Una Tuna says, mm -hmm. what is your most well-traveled pen? Mine is my vintage Waterman Felius. For example, mm. it has been to more countries, states, or cities than the average American. Where has your pen traveled? Why that pen and not another? Mm. Any souvenir marks or dings or on the pen to remind you of a particular place or experience? Hmm. Um... I carry a lot of pens around with me, so I don't necessarily have like one most traveled pen probably because um, usually, especially if I'm actually traveling somewhere, I'm always bringing multiple pens. Um, and I usually have like one or two kind of mainstays and then I'll have some other ones that I'll kind of rotate out. You know, if I want to have like different colors in them or different nib sizes and stuff like that, you know, I don't have like the same pens that I will bring everywhere. Um, but even right now, like, I think I've talked about this before. I have a bunch of pens that I need to clean out. And you might've mentioned that a few times. My life gets a little crazy. So sometimes I never know whenever I'm at work, I'm like, I don't have time to do this right now. I'll clean my pens when I get home. And then I get home and home life is insane. And I'm like, I don't have time to deal with this right now. I'll clean my pens at work. And then what I end up doing is I end up carrying around like 40 pens in my backpack for weeks, which is exactly what I've been doing now. My backpack weighs probably twice as much as it should because I have a bunch of pens that I intend to clean out in like two different cases in my thing. So um, I don't know. They're all getting pretty well traveled right now. So, um, but in terms of like actually traveling, like, you know, business trips or international. Can I, can I take a guess? Like sure. Because yes. you always say that you like to have an eco for the sloshing. And to, I do. And, and to show people how usually fountains carry work. an eco. Is that or, one of the mainstays? Um, that's one of the ones that I'll rotate out okay. quite a bit. And okay. I'm not always bringing the same one. Oh, okay. So that I kind of didn't, I mean, I'll usually, I'll pretty much anywhere I travel, I'll have a twist okay. of some kind, okay. but it's not always the same one. So I didn't really, I interpreted this question more as like, the same ah, single pen, you okay. know, that like gets some like wear and tear and gets well, that your, lived your, in. Your Homo sapiens has to be on there, right? The Homo sapiens that is on has there. some wear and tear. That one's got some wear and tear. Like eventually like, that clip is going to be all bronze. I like pocket carried that pen for four straight years. Yeah. Um, so that one like really did literally travel with me pretty much. So is that shiny now or does it still look bad? Oh no. Oh no. I like... I n I've never polished the bronze. So no, 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 no. I mean, I'm talking about age. the uh, the lava. 
Like oh, it's definitely got a little bit of shine to yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Which so anything like that that's got kind of a matte finish, you can get that matte finish back if you because it's like just your hand oils and just the friction over time um, will kind of shine up any matte finish. You know that that's always something that can happen. Yeah, those are the only two um, I could think of. Yeah, what but I've like I don't know pens like that that can get a little patina on them. You know, like that bronze. Mm-hmm. I never want to polish it oh, because no. it's like that's part of its story. Like that's what makes it what it is. So that one definitely has like some, it's not like full on wear and tear. I don't have like, oh, I remember dropping it on XYZ. It's just like no. naturally just some some break in wear and but tear. But that one happen. was before, that was when they were um, Visconti's before, lacquering on their clip. That's before they did, they did the enamel clip on some of the higher end, like limited edition stuff at that time. But now they're doing it on like all the homo sapiens. But now, but those were like the lacquer pooling area yeah. was more recessed i yes. think the one you have it was the one i have more... is just it's just a straight up piece of metal with like the logos like stamped onto it yeah basically. yeah and like most of that's chipped off over yeah time, you know just with wear and tear and so use. i mean so, credit, credit to the homo sapiens for durability <laughs> like i mean i kind of like yeah i mean that's about the only real wear and tear on that thing other than you know just like the the hand, you know, oil, whatever s- smoothness that's happened with the matte finish. But um, I don't know. I really like it. I even like that, like, aged logos kind of half falling off the clip kind of a thing. Yeah. I always know like, you're homo sapiens. I've earned it. It's kind of like when you have, like, a pair of jeans that are, like, kind of ripped and dirty and all that. And it's like, and you know you didn't, like, buy it like that for fashion. But, like, you have worn in those jeans. It's that same kind of thing. Like, I like this is tr- this is traveled with me. It's lived life with me. Um, got that going on with the Homo Sapiens, which is cool. Um, another one that I have is my Traveler's Pen, which I actually am carrying on my person right now. Again. I, I see that on you almost every day. Well, it's just such an easy pen to just have in my pocket. It never feels like anything. It doesn't feel like I'm carrying a pen around in my pocket. And, and it's, it's like right next to your knife every day and it does oh, yeah. not look bad at all. Well, I, I used to, so it does have some scratches and stuff on the side because I used to keep my pocket knife all the way to the outside of my pocket. And then I kept the pen next to it. So the blade was like coming into contact with the pen, but now I do it the other way. So Ah. I keep the pen on the outside of my pocket. So it's really just the like plastic, you know, here, there's a little bit of metal like right here, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't really touch the pen. So, you know, it's in my pocket and it's, it's, the pen's short enough where it's not even going down to like where my keys are and stuff like that. And it's all brass anyway. So it's like, there's really nothing to hurt it. Um, the clip is, I mean, I've had this pen for, when did we start carrying travelers? I think I got it like almost immediately. Um, more than five years. Oh, it's been close to 10. Yeah. Closer to 10 years probably at this point. Um, and I've carried this for, you know, a good portion of those. Um, yeah. And I've, I don't think I've ever. It's the infamous carport pen. Yep. I have dismantled a carport in 95 degree heat in my cargo shorts with this pen in my pocket. Um, I've sent it through the wash before. Um, I've done a number of outdoor projects with this thing in there. Because again, I don't like think about it that much. I don't like, it's not like I'm like, Oh, I got to make sure to take my pen out of my pocket. I'm like, whatever. It's just going to do its thing. So that one I've carried with me quite a bit. Um, and then the other one is my Lamy 2000, which is maybe not a surprise. Um, that one I have had a couple different ones, but I usually have a fine nib 2000 as my mainstay. And that just like, Right now, I keep that clipped in. I've got a, um, I got a couple different notebooks I'm carrying around, but like my old school Olive Travelers notebook, which I've had for probably seven, eight years maybe. You know, Lamy 2000 just sticks right in there. I don't have to worry about it at all. 
Um, and yeah, I've got the, what is it, the, the endless one that we did, the fibula exclusive one. Where is that? The not cactus leather book. Yes, exactly. I've got that one in here too. And that one's got a Lamy 2000 in there as well. So I don't know, that's a great pen to just like have a notebook, throw it around. Whatever. I've been using that book a lot. I love it. It's good. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I do like the form factor of this because I can actually like stick this in my back pocket and walk around with it if I need to, or like in a cargo pocket or something. This one's just a little bit too big. I like it though because you know? it lays flat and it's so much easier to write it's, on. It is. The you thin, can definitely write the thin more. ones. Like it's always wanting to shut on me. I have to like, yeah. you know, smash it down with something. Yeah. I mean, this one is A5 okay because is I can, just... if I'm just writing, I mean, if I'm writing like paragraphs, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm writing like a newspaper article. Yeah. You know, it's like this long skinny thing. Um, but for like quick notes and bulleted things, lists and all that, this is like perfect for that. So um, I am carrying both right now. Um, but yeah, Lamy 2000 is a perfect pen because it's thin enough. It's super durable. So you don't have to worry about it, especially for traveling. You know, um, I don't like to have a lot of, I mean, the Twisbees are, are pretty good about like not leaking and stuff like that. Um, cause it is still really well sealed. Um, but the Lamy 2000, it's got a good enough ink capacity to be able to like travel and use it at a conference or something. It's not like I'm inking it back up all the time. Um, but then, you know, it's not such a big ink capacity that I got to worry about like burping and leaking and like that kind of stuff. And it's got the hooded nib. It always stays wet and ready to go. Um, yeah. And it's like the really Lamy 2000 and the Twisbees for that matter. Um, not so much the homo sapiens that you got to like. I got to keep an eye on that pen. Like if I want to use it somewhere, I'm not just like leaving that out on the desk while I go to the bathroom at a conference. Lamy 2000, I don't feel like somebody's going to snipe that off my desk because it looks like such a fancy pen, yeah. you know? I'll still like sort of keep an eye on it's it. It's unassuming. Um, yeah, it's it's understated, you know? So that is also kind of nice. Like a really nice pen, but it's also not so fancy that you got to worry about it too much. Um, and if I lose it or, you know, whatever forget it in a uber at the airport or something um you know it would be i'd be sad but it's replaceable you know um so yeah that's those are those are i would say those those three probably the lamy 2000 the homo sapiens i'm not carrying on me as much these days but the traveler spend for sure in the lamy 2000 and then i have like a steady rotation of other stuff that i'm keeping with me but those those ones have stood the test of time for me yeah for me the 2000 is definitely on there as mm -hmm. well um uh, and then my other one, as far as just like what has gone the most places, it's my Lama 2000 and my Black Matte Vanishing Point. Oh, yeah. And that okay. one has some wear and tear. I'm, that, yeah. that thing's brassing pretty well. Yeah, that's yeah. like the OG one before they like improved the – because yeah. they, they improved the um, the finish on that one eventually. Yeah. But it was a couple of years there where it was like you could definitely see some scratching and stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, the there's a – the knock um, mm -hmm. is uh, – you can see brass lines from where it's been going up and yeah, down. Yeah, just all yeah. the friction and stuff like that. But that's yeah. cool, though. It's like yeah. your own kind of thing. I cover it with Sharpie every now and then. Okay. Give it a refresh, yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. Classy. Yeah, absolutely. I've got some some scratches on mine. I let somebody borrow it once, and they gave it back to me, and it had some scratches on it. I, I remember like, that. Mm. I remember that. Okay. Um, but I've never replaced it. Like, I still have my OG Black Matte Vanishing Point, and that's the one. That's the one now I have in my office that's, like, for the – um, Hall of Fame nice. that I have up in the little Hall of Fame stand. That's the one still there. Cool. Um, yeah. Curious again, this is good question for you all too. What pens do you have that have traveled the most? Um, I will say too, this is kind of cool, but I had somebody reach out, um, when I first, this was like maybe a couple of years after I got the traveler's pen and, um, I, you know, had kind of talked about how I was carrying it with me. 
Um, so I had a customer of ours reach out who was working on a project at their, it was at their university or something like that, where they were sending a rocket into like, like not outer space, but like yes, lower space or whatever, like the, you know, wherever the blue origin and all that, where, where they go up there, mm-hmm. they shot a rocket up there and he asked about getting one of these to that. send up there. And he said for weight reasons, they couldn't send the whole thing. So he just was able to send the, the body of the pen. Um, so it wasn't my specific one, but I have, I still have the one that he, so it's like that pen has been in space, yes, which is kind of cool. Right. So I don't know. It's, I, in terms of how many miles it's traveled, that one is, well, I guess it's not actually going that far because you're not going that many miles up into space. Like traveling around the globe is way further than that, but whatever. Still, Still awesome. It's definitely reached the highest heights of any pen that I have in my collection. So that one's For really, sure. it's pretty cool. Anyway, I haven't talked about that much, but that was, that was pretty cool. All right. You ready for a question, Drew? I am ready. Okay, Steve2256 says, what, in your opinion, is the best fountain pen to use for calligraphy? Since we do so much calligraphy, and that is just what we are known for. I think that any calligrapher would tell you that fountain pens are not good for it. It's not the right tool. No. No. Um, That being said. You can do calligraphy with a fountain pen. You can, yeah. That being said, if you are going to try to do calligraphy with a fountain pen, um, the... I added my notes after Brian added his, and I kind of see like he said a lot of the same things I'm going to say. So I'll just say, if I were just to pick a fountain pen that gives you the most line variation reliably, um, I'm going to say the Magna Carta Mag 600. That one Mm. can move more than, move safely more than any other fountain pen I have encountered on the market currently. And I will think that that's probably the best case for you if you were looking to obtain you know, calligraphy style line variation mm-hmm. with a fountain pen. Um, but uh, I'll let you cover the rest of this because you mm-hmm. you have everything. Yeah, else I think we I had was, like very say. similar kind of feedback. Yeah, especially yeah. like what kind of calligraphy. So yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I've definitely. This is one thing. Like, I'm never going to be a calligrapher. I just Neither don't I. have the goods. Um, you know, I struggle to loop my L's and cross my T's. I'm sure if I really devoted enough time to it, I could get mediocre enough at it but it's just not in the stars for me and i'm okay with that um but i really really appreciate those who can do it and it's very impressive but it's the kind of thing like if you're truly getting into calligraphy fountain pens are a tool of compromise in order to do calligraphy so if you're like truly doing calligraphy you're not using fountain pen ink you're not using fountain pens you're using, you know, dip, like pointed tips, you know, spring steel. You're using like an offset, like oblique nib holder, or, you know, you can use a straight one, but, you know, really you're using entirely different tools. Um, but that said, you can still write calligraphy with a fountain pen. So I'm going to interpret it as like assuming that that's the goal. What do you want to do? So um, for me, I had a couple different answers. Um, again, I don't know. I'm not like practiced in calligraphy, but I'm yeah, I know enough people that have done it and have had conversations about it to where I can understand it enough to at least answer the question with some degree of confidence. Um, I think the tool obviously is going to be preferential for a lot of people, but um, it's also largely going to depend on the script. So if you're, you know, a calligrapher using like dip nibs and stuff like that, part of the advantage of those nibs is you can change out those nibs, like the variety 
of calligraphy nibs is way beyond anything we see in the fountain pen world. Like, yeah, I don't know how many in total, but probably in the at least multitude of dozens, if not over a hundred different types of nibs that you can get for dip pens, depending on what you're trying to get. So you can get hyper specific depending on what kind of, what kind of, not font, but script, script font, you know, whatever that you're, whatever look you're going for. Um, so I think in the fountain pen world, you largely fall into kind of two different categories for the type of script that you may be trying to do. One is what Drew kind of mentioned, which is, you know, your copper plate, your Spencerian, something where there is thinner and thicker lines that are happening as you're making your, your, you know, journey around the letters you're applying more pressure. It's springing the tines, letting more ink out. You can get that line variation. There's a lot, a lot of, of a lot of flourishes things. and things like yeah, that. Yeah, flourishes exactly. Um, that any kind of a flex nib is going to be really what you're looking for in order to get that effect. Um, there are some nibs that have different grinds to them. I'm thinking like the Sailor Zoom nib and the Naganata Togi and stuff like that that you can sort of get that effect. But I don't think that that's meant to get so much variation around single letters as you're writing, that would be really kind of challenging. You would really be drastically changing your hand a lot as you go. So those are not ideal for that per se. Those are more ideal for like, you want to hold your pen in one position, write a bunch and then change positions, write a bunch, you know, that kind of a thing. So any of those like variable grind nibs are not, not the ideal thing for calligraphy per se. Um, I think that, um, a really interesting look, anything with an architect grind is pretty cool. So it's like kind of like a stub, you know, it's like kind of thin and flat like this. So you get a really thin cross stroke, really thick downstroke. Architect is basically 90 degrees turned from that. Um, so not calligraphy per se, but you can get some really cool effects with an architect, uh, nib. So that's a fun one to play around with. I thought it's just a casual mention. There's really not a lot of architect nibs that are standard. It's pretty much like a nibmeister grind type of a thing. Um, but that's why people like to do those. Um, so I would say, yeah, anything that is needing that flexibility. I had the Magna Carta Mag 600 on here. Um, Pilot Falcon actually does okay. A Pilot Falcon Extra Fine would be the one that I would go for. Um, the nice thing about that is you're going to get a finer starting line with that than you would with the Magna Carta. So you're not going to get as much variability to it. But if what you're going for is those really thin lines like you would have on Spencerian, then the Pilot Falcon Extra Fine is going to get you there more than the Magna Especially if you're writing smaller. Yes, exactly. Which that's not necessarily the goal when you're writing in some of these scripts. You know, no, some of it you have to just write bigger. I like to use a Pilot Falcon and Extra Fine, but I yeah. do find that the larger you write, the more uncomfortable it is. And the, Can be, the yeah. pen doesn't like to... The, the feed is really slow too. Yeah. Yeah. You got to take your time, but it can be yeah. done for sure. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, like when you're writing in calligraphy with like the dip pens and stuff like that, it's slow, very slow. Um, so yeah, speed is never the goal. Um, unless you're like a, um, what is it? Like a paid, like person who's getting paid to do calligraphy for like wedding invitations and place cards and stuff like that, then speed will matter because time is money. But even then you're not going that fast. So like you just have to go super slow. So really go slow with any of these. Um, and then I just went straight up noodlers, like they're noodlers, Ahab, like it's a, the pen's not that beautiful and the grip is kind of weird, but in terms of the like flexibility that you can get out of that nib, like the, the line width and stuff, it's tough to beat. And it's so inexpensive. You know, a Mag 600, you're looking 350 
you know, and the Falcon even is like 160. Like it's, those are pretty significant investments. The thing that's nice about a noodler's pen is they're cheap. They are. You can start with a nib creeper um, or an Ahab for 20, 30 bucks and you can at least try it. And if you absolutely hate it, you're not out that much, you know? That's true. Um, So that's one thing that the noodler's pens are really good for. Um, There are other flex nibs too, like the Omni flex nibs that you can get on like a Conklin or Monteverde. They're okay. They're broader nibs to start with. Not a lot of movement in those. Yeah, they don't don't get as much variation, certainly not as much as a a noodler's pen will. Um, So I still think the noodler's pens are really good for And and I will say that the noodler's feed is made to handle large it volumes is. of ink yeah. you know, going feeds through on their it. big ink channel yeah, yeah the so thing it's... that the the uh omniflex nibs are cool but the feed isn't tailored to the nib yeah. you got the a way, slow way down around yeah in like the that. way that the yeah. ahab feed is tailored to the yeah. flex nib and the ahab too like you you can throw pretty much any ink in there and it's going to flow anything even with the falcon for that matter um magna card i think is pretty forgiving but the the falcon and then the um um whatever we were just talking about the omniflex you know because it's got a more conventional feed but with a flexible nib you need to really slow down and probably lean towards some like wetter flowing inks to really get the best performance um but yeah so noodles one is really good so that's those pens are all really good for any of those like line variable scripts um the other kind of class of scripts that i think you'll more commonly find is like the gothic or italic um and those are ones where um you're not flexing the nib at all, but you need some kind of a stub nib or something like that. And for that, no question, the best pen for that is a Pilot Parallel. I mean, the Sailor Highest Neo is decent as well. Um, and you can get, you know, some some slightly wider. I think it might uh, go up to two. Two, I think, is the biggest. But the, I mean, mm-hmm. the Parallel, it's a very forgiving nib for one. I don't love the pen, honestly, that much. It's weird shape and the wavy clip, but not a clip kind of a thing. I don't aesthetically think the pen is that attractive, but I don't even care because the nib writes so well. It's such a fun pen. And it's such a fun pen. It's so affordable. It's very, yeah, exactly. And you can do really cool stuff too, because the whole point with the parallel is you can have two different pens with two different ink colors. You can like touch the plates together and let the inks sort of like transfer and cross over to each other. And you can get like this ombre kind of effect, like just creatively what that can offer you as you're writing in some of these scripts and stuff like that is like pretty awesome. Now you can, you you can technically do that with other pens too. It's just a lot harder. Like the parallel is really good at doing it. You can get two completely (coughs) different uh, strokes as well. If you write flat, it's massive up to 6.0. And then you can write with a corner of any of these and have a tiny, tiny extra fine stroke which is really, really good for things like those gothic and italics because yeah. sometimes you get those hairline kind of like flourish type things yep. that you can get, but then you want that big blocky, you know, fun, you know, script like you would have for the rest of the They're letters. a lot of fun. They're, they're definitely a lot of fun. You know, um, and then um, another cool thing about the parallel, this isn't something that a pilot like says that you should do a lot, but you can like grind those things down and make them different shapes. I've seen a lot of people that will, you know, because it's like a large plate, I've seen people that take like the, you know, four and a half or the six millimeter one, the really big one. And they'll like cut some notches into the middle of it to get like a three stroke or whatever. You can like round the corner off and you can get some like really cool. Like, so you can, I mean, and the pens were like 10 bucks. Like they're, I think they've gone up, but uh, maybe 12 bucks or something like that. Still extremely affordable. Um, so you can, 
you know, what the heck, why not try grinding some down and seeing if you can get some different effects. I've seen a bunch of people do that with success. So yeah, I've done it a few times. I love them. It's really cool. So if you are into messing around with that, that kind of stuff, parallel, you can't beat it. You just can't beat it. So there you go. Those are my answers. Um, but yeah, definitely. I'm curious what y'all think. Um, especially if you like are a more legit kind of calligrapher, um, what do you have to say about it? Um, cause we definitely are, are on the outside looking in, in this respect. 14, 13 now. Oh, okay. There you go. So it's still pretty reasonable. I feel like yeah. it used to be 10 bucks like 100 years it ago. It did. It did. They're still worth it though. Yeah, definitely. And it's a little bit cheaper. I think if you buy like the multi-pack, like you can buy like a bunch of them. You can get yeah. like, a little bit of a break on it, but still so affordable. Totally. Um, all right. All right. Our next? final question Ooh. from Paul McHugh. Okay. Paul says, I have been enamored with eyedropper fill pens. I've also barrel filled pens with metal threads. What disadvantage is there for pens with metal threads? Mm. Also, what would you suggest for these metal thread pens to stop possible corrosion? I love that he used both eyedropper and barrel fill. I've been, I've been saying barrel fill. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not stopping. This is how it starts, right? You just Damn. start using it both times, make it interchangeable, and then you just kind of slowly move barrel on. Barrel filler right? makes um, sense. That's right. Um, so, um, you know, metal threads, yeah, definitely the advantage of having metal threads on a pen in general is metal is more durable than resin. So that has its own advantages. Um, however, metal corrodes, and that's the problem. Ink is not benign, right? So um, it, it can depend on the ink itself. And what's a little frustrating is we don't really know what's in most of the inks. We know generally what's in them, but it's amazing how much the ink can vary even within a brand. Yeah, we get a, a little bit line. of we get a little bit of information from one brand and we just kind of assume that other brands kind of do the same thing, but we yeah, don't but know. I mean, well, I've seen like like legit like chemists and stuff on places like Fountain Pen Network that have like pH tested these things yeah. with proper equipment and stuff. Some inks are like I think like certain Waterman inks were like 2.8 you know, on the pH scale, like super acidic. Yeah. And then you like, might be surprised. And then like some of like the Noodler's Bay States, I think are like really high pH. They're in like the 12 to 13 range. And then some are like totally that. neutral. And then some are A neutral. A lot of them are neutral. Yeah. So, I mean- it really is all over the place and not to say like pH necessarily, there's honestly a lot of factors and I am already stepped over my, my area of expertise here, but um, definitely metal can corrode with ink contact. Well, especially if, we, if we want our smarter, you know, listeners to mention, oh, we, if you want we, to feel good about yourself, we need to step over, correct me. We need oh, to we step can, over a little bit just so, over. just to trigger the people that, okay, that's fine. I've got, I've got some of that baked in here. Yeah, I've we got need, some stuff. We, we get into we, a little bit of like feedback. metal makeup and stuff like that. Oh, okay. and some ink stuff. I mean, inks and I can speak in generalities with ink because again, it does vary so much. Um, definitely there's some core components of ink. I mean, the dyes themselves obviously would have some kind of impact on, you know, things like metal. Um, Salt salinity is actually a component in many inks in order to help um, keep the dyes in suspension. So salt itself is very corrosive to metal, um, particularly certain types of metal. So that is one thing that will will not help it out. I don't know. There's usually some kind of biocide in there. I don't know how that impacts metal. Um, but then just water, like ink is mostly water. Water will corrode metal, especially with prolonged contact. So, you know... Obviously, not all metal because nibs are made of metal, right? So yeah, um, it really depends. It does depend on the alloy. Yeah, it depends on the, whether or not people are using stainless steel for their threads. Yes, um, and it's, so it's 
it varies a lot. So I'm not going to say like all metal threads are bad um, because there are certain metals that are more, you know, benign. Uh, things like stainless steel, titanium, uh, gold. And a lot of times you can have threads that are, you know, maybe made with a more base metal like steel or brass. Um, I think most of the time you're dealing with brass. Um, but then it can be plated, you know, in something like chrome or rhodium or something like that. Plating helps. Like it gives it a layer of protection. It's not as much protection as you would if it was like through and through because the plating process itself can have some imperfections or, you know, the plating eventually can, you know, start to wear down. It'll prolong the process, but eventually that if there's a corrosive metal that's underneath there, eventually it's going to corrode if you're using it for a long enough time. So, you know, I'm not going to say you shouldn't ever do it. And especially if you're just doing it to try it out, testing it out here and there, doing it a couple of weeks or whatever, you're probably fine. You'll never notice a difference. But it's like if you're going to buy that pen with those metal threads and it does, it's not like something that you know is ink resistant, like the, the titanium or stainless steel or something, you're probably not going to get like solid gold, you know trim pieces um you know maybe the plating but um i feel like stainless steel or titanium would be the the thing you might find but i don't think it's that common on most pens anyway yeah and i don't know how you would find out either you're probably getting some sort of like chrome or rhodium plated brass that's usually what you're going to see on these these on thread components what what about aluminum um you could have aluminum too yeah Yeah. that's another one but aluminum is a softer metal so i think for threads it's usually not unless Mm. you have like an all aluminum pen you know, I think about like the, um, you know, the Coeco, like all sports and stuff like that, you know, those are going to be aluminum, but, um, yeah, I guess that's, that's kind of true. Yeah. You do get, you get aluminum. That's another good and one. Aluminum is okay with ink, right? Um, let me think about that. I can't remember. Aluminum is generally less, I mean, aluminum is definitely more like water resistant and stuff like that. I can't remember if aluminum reacts with Ink. Legitimately can't remember. I can't either. I had it in my head that aluminum's okay with ink, but I don't know where that came from. It might be totally wrong. I think it might be wrong. I know <laughs> I know aluminum reacts with um ammonia. Ah. So you don't wanna you don't wanna soak it in ammonia. No, sure. Um but um gosh, I can't remember. I wanna say that you can't do it because we don't recommend eye dropping um things like the Quaco. Um, all sports. I I want to say that there is a, it's not because of the water that's in there. It's because of some of the other stuff that's in there. Well, we can leave that Um, alone. Yeah. But I think aluminum will cause you, would cause you problems. Um, So anyway, uh, your mileage will vary a lot depending on the pen and the specific components that it has, but just know you're probably dealing with some type of, you're, 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 you're dancing with the devil when it comes to the corrosion. Um, And it's really the corrosion that is, the issue and the, the problem with the corrosion too, not only will it make the metal more brittle and likely to crack and break down. Um, but if you are getting any type of corrosion, then that oxidation, that rust that will start to happen can break apart and then get into your ink and flow through your pen and mess up some of the components inside there too, eventually. Um, so I would say if you do, if you are eye dropping any pen that has any metal components and you start to see any signs of corrosion, stop eye dropping it completely and don't ever do it again because you're going to start you i mean you, you've already done some damage to it you're only going to make it worse with that prolonged exposure especially if it's something that's plated mm-hmm. and that plating has started to wear through a little bit i mean that's what happens with cars right like the cars are fine for a while and then a little bit of rust starts and then it can just really spread once it gets exposed so that's kind of the trade-off that you're making um 
you know, so your, your last question that you had in there, like, is there anything that we can suggest uh, for the metal threads to stop the corrosion? Um, I don't know of anything that you can coat it with or, you know, anything like that. What about like silicone that. grease? Would that prolong it a little bit? And if you just I mean, slather the threads with it? Theoretically, silicone grease could be a layer of protection. You'd have to cover you know, it, though. You'd have to really cover it. And then, I don't know, is that really worth it? I, I don't know. Theoretically, yeah, you might be able to do that and 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 prolong it, you know, prolong its life to a point. Um, but also, if you're slathering up silicone grease, like on the inside of your pen and stuff like that, if any of that silicone like breaks loose and goes into your feed, I mean, that's going to be a pain. That's going to block things up pretty bad. So, I don't know. To me, it's not really worth the risk unless you're just like really die hard on using that pen. I mean, it's it's your own pen. You can do whatever you want with it. But I've never seen like feedback from customers it's like these catastrophic pen failures because they were you know barrel filling something with metal components the twisby precision does it have an internal plastic the precision yeah that's a piston filling pen that has yeah but it's, it's plastic it's inside not, yeah not metal okay yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah any metal pen that you see that's a piston filler like that um or has some other type eye drop type thing like the diplomat nexus there's a sleeve inside of there, so it's not actually touching the metal itself. Um, that's usually how they work it out so that you don't deal with corrosion. So you can have pens with metal threads, but usually those metal threads are not actually making contact with the ink. Mm, I think I think aluminum would be a terrible choice now that I'm reading a little Is bit it really? about it. Okay, yeah. I seem to recall that, yeah. It, I mean, it seems like it could be good at the onset because, I mean, I, I weld with like a steel and aluminum, and aluminum is really good for using outdoors because it it doesn't rust in the rain but i think the other components of what's in the ink will corrode uh, aluminum yeah. pretty bad yeah don't use aluminum yeah so yeah just go with stainless steel or nothing yeah maybe and titanium might be fine titanium i think would be fine yeah they, they, they make, make titanium nibs they make nibs yeah, yeah i think titanium is very corrosion resistant um so there you go titanium stainless steel or nothing there you go all right all right if you have any more questions for us you can always ask us in the comments, or you can shoot us an email at pencast at gulepens.com if you're an audio listener. And that's all we have for Q&A for this week. Um, we're going to move on to a pen spotlight talking about the Pilot Kakuno translucent colors. So let's go ahead and take a look at those. All right, here we go. Kakuno. So these are five new colors that we have. I left one in the package here so you can see how it's packaged. Um, you know, pretty fun. Obviously, it's like made for a slightly probably younger demographic, you know, based on its fun colors and, you know, all the nibs have different like smiley faces on them. Um, so it does give sort of a breakdown of the five different ones. You know, it says clear, like clear aqua, clear coral. We have translucent aqua, translucent coral. I mean, obviously it means kind of the same thing, but it's just slightly different between what's on the packaging and what's in like the pricing room and stuff like that that we use for our website. Um so, you know, you get it in here, you get a little bit of instruction um, here, especially if you're new to fountain pens, you know, that can be helpful. It's kind of fun. It's got like your little, hello, I'm a nib Definitely person. a heavy <laughs> entry level vibe there. Yeah. Which is what the Kakuno is made for. For sure. It's got single cartridge in here and then you get the pen. So um, right in here, you can use converters with this. It doesn't come with it. But then again, it's a really inexpensive uh, pen as well. Um, so, you know, the Kakuno's that we have 
a couple different colors, but it's mostly like whites, grays, clears. Um, we didn't have a lot of actual colors, but these ones are really nice. Um, very, very translucent. I would say maybe like 20% opacity, something like that, if I had to guess. Um, but I don't know, it looks really classy. It's got a clear grip on it. The grip has a very slight triangular kind of grip to it. Um, and then the nibs are engraved with these little, you know, so he's got, hello, Mr. Tie going on there. Very fancy looking with the tie and the mustache. Um, the nibs are different on all of these pens, right? I'm, I can't remember which ones have which, um, cause it's associated with the color, not yeah, the nib size. Correct. That, you know, when we originally carried the Kakunos, we only had, um, each color in one different nib size. So we actually didn't know whether the nib was, the nib design was associated with the nib size or the color of the pen that it came on. And it's and it's actually related to the color of the pen. So That's right. if you get the translucent pink, or sorry, this is the translucent coral, you know, you're gonna get this- Necklace. Necklace one, yeah. A little more kind of a feminine And eyelashes. It. Yep. Um, What's cool about these, though, too, is they've got the, like, cap inserts on them, so they're really good about not drying out. And they can surprisingly take the Con 70. Yeah, like, these will take those big Con 70s. You can't barrel fill these ones, though, because you get some holes in the back here. Um, so, otherwise, it would be a good candidate for that. I've and known people to plug them with, like, paraffin can, wax. You can plug like it with that. paraffin wax, or I know some people have, like, epoxied it or something yeah. like that. That's totally up to you. It's an inexpensive pen, so the risk is You're going to be out 14 bucks. And that's one thing too, if you don't want to buy a converter and you want to get a really good ink capacity, these would be a great candidate for that because you can see the ink sloshing around and it gets really, really good um, effect like that. So uh, this one um, looks like a pacifier mm -hmm. or a nook, as I called it when I was a child. Mm -hmm. um, these nibs are the same ones that you will have on a Metropolitan, an Explorer, Prera, all those things. So what is cool is if you like the design of any of these nibs, you could just buy one of these pens and swap it onto another. Yeah, it's not like pilot these. Pen that you have. Yeah, fourteen something and change. I mean, that's as much as you, much as much or less as you would pay exactly. for a spare nib exactly. from other pen. Less. Um, so this is the pink one, translucent pink, S similar to coral, but the coral's got a little bright. Honestly, it just looks like a brighter pink. It's not even that much more orange. But yeah, the coral's a little bit more ready, and like the these two are really a little bit more purpley. Yeah, these two are kind of close to each other, but they're, they both look really nice. Um, and again, all of them have the clear grip too. And then this one we've got, which nib is that? Uh, the bow. Yep. So that one, and then this last one, I think I might like this color the most out of the group. That's the most boring uh, face. Well, you know, it's just a smiley face. Yep. But that's pleasant. It is. Most you, nibs you can, don't have faces on them you at can all. Find the, you can find that face in other colors, though. Yes, true. Um, they have that one, and then there's like, what, a winky face and a tongue and mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's the one that's on the conventional um, Kakunos. These other ones, I think, are all new to yes. this collection. So, yeah, all around, really good pen. We're big fans of the Kakuno, not just for kids, but really anybody that wants a more like intro-level pen. It's, it's it's one of these like knock-around pens that you can just have and not have to sweat it too much. A great choice for um, beginners. Yeah, really solid. And the, it's Pilot, so consistency is really good. The nib performance is going to be really solid. Um, and, too, if you don't want to deal with like eyedropper converting or anything like that, you can just, if you have ink syringe, you can just refill these cartridges. They're pretty stout. Um, and that's a pretty decent way to use these without having to get a converter too. That's what I do. Yep, absolutely. So there you go. That's uh, 
that's the Kakunos and the new colors. All right, Drew. Brian. What have you been up to for the last couple of weeks? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, me and the family and some friends went to Disney World. Yes, Walt indeed. Disney World in Orlando. The most magical Lake Buena Vista. Yeah. Celebration. How was it? Um, so I'm going to just mention a few cons because oh. I just want to get those out of the way. Okay. The, the trip was great, but yeah. I will say I encountered the worst going to and coming from flight delays I've ever encountered in my oh, life. Oh, jeez. We okay. spent about eight hours in the Richmond airport when we were leaving. We didn't get into- Which is not much of an airport. There's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing to do. There's nothing there. Jeez, yeah. We got stuck in Orlando coming back, which oh was fine. Gosh. There's plenty there's to do there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of food, lots of entertainment. Mm. Um, but terrible. Jeez. <coughs> and you terrible. had direct flights. Yes. Because What's to get complicated? Yeah. Uh, well, a door, apparently. The a door. The pilot- I will say this for and against the pilot. He was very communicative. Okay. He told us about the door issue. He said what was broken. He said oh. someone tried to fix it. Oh. And he said what was broken, how they tried to fix it. And he said now they need to get the, because it was fixed by technicians at the airport, they now need to get other more official people to approve the repair. And he also mentioned that, hey, don't okay. worry, everybody. I, I love my life, too. And, you know, I'm not going to put you in a dangerous situation. Well, that's reassuring. And here I'm like, like, maybe just don't talk about dying. Yeah. You know, as, as a pilot. As you're sitting there for hours with yeah. nothing to do but so, ruminate like, on. We actually got on board. Oh, they, they realized the door issue. We deplaned. Oh, my gosh. And then just sat there for another oh, few wow. hours. Okay. So that was a nightmare. Oh, um, luckily, Archer was great. You know, really Was all your, like, luggage and stuff on the plane? On the plane. So, so you don't even have your stuff. We couldn't even, we couldn't even like, to, like, do anything. We had some carry-on stuff. So luckily, okay. we had a tablet. I had some video games. Yeah. But we couldn't, like, try to get another flight. Right. We couldn't leave the airport to go, like, get dinner because all of our stuff is there. If it took off without us, like, yeah. Jeez. So anyway, that happened. It was bad coming back to more delays. Oh, we got lots of credit from JetBlue. They they gave us about six hundred dollars worth of credit. So we'll have to use them I mean, again. That's some silver lining. Yeah. yeah, you'll really look forward to that next flight, I won't know. you? So, <laughs> um, and it was also very very crowded. It was a oh. three day weekend, mm, so it was mm -hmm. packed. Um, yeah. The Magic Kingdom actually reached capacity one of the days, which Whoa. very rarely happens. Oh my gosh! So that and the fact that. Disney now has this thing called Genie Plus, where if you want to mm. uh, get in one of their lightning lanes for a ride, you need to pay in advance to obtain the option to reserve these lightning lanes, which on a very, very busy weekend, you kind of have to do. You're paying to have the option to reserve. Yes. An advanced spot yes. in line. Yes. Wow. And it's about 25 to $30 per person per day. Whoa. Yeah. So wow. if you want to, if, if because of the crowds being is that what the fast pass thing is yeah, that that's what that's what that's what it is it now got replaced yeah okay now it's Genie Plus we haven't been to Disney World in a while there are no fast passes oh interesting it's Genie Plus you pay Genie Plus yeah. oh so it's just yeah they take I your, mean, they know how to take your money and especially and maybe on some days it's not necessary but mm. on this this week we were going with crowds being what they were yeah if we wanted to ride more than three rides during the day we had to do it oh my gosh. Yeah, and like so, you're already there. You've already gone through. You've already sat through eight hours of fixing a door on an airplane. Like, yeah. So what's a little bit more? That right? all being said, the trip was great. Yeah, we went to three 
parks. No, yeah, three parks. We did Hollywood mm-hmm. Studios the first day. Nice. We did Epcot the second day, and then okay. we did Magic Kingdom. Okay. Hollywood was great. They had all the Star Wars stuff. Oh yeah. Um, we went with uh, two other couples. Uh, they were hopping around going to other parks. They just wanted to find rides. Shannon okay. Archer and I, we just st- stayed at one park per day. Mm. But we always did kind of come together for dinners and stuff. Okay. Hollywood. Hollywood Studios Day, they came to do all the Star Wars stuff with us. So we got to ride Rise of the Resistance together. Oh, cool. They loved that. That was a lot of fun. We got the Magic Band Pluses, like the new Magic Bands that like light up and stuff. And they oh. vibrate. So Archer and I were running around the Star Wars area collecting bounties. You can go to like this bounty wow. screen, scan your thing, and it tells you who to find. So you run wow. around trying to find the bounty, and you come back and get credits for it. So we were doing oh, interesting. that. Archer got to build a droid, which was his birthday present. Oh, that's cool. So we got a little BB unit, the ball that rolls yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And it works great. The head stays on top but with a magnet, and the ball rolls. And remote I've control. Seen, like, I've seen not at – I haven't been to Disney World, but I've seen like you can get remote control like BB-8s and stuff. That's what he had, yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, but he got to build his own. It's blue and nice. black. You would love it. So we got to keep this. This yeah, wasn't yeah. just like a, Oh, yeah. It was 200 bucks. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Still cheaper than a lightsaber because they sell those there too. But that was like his, wow. that was his birthday, you know? Wow. <clears throat> so we let him do that. He was super excited. Named it BB-12. Mm. I was very excited about that. I got a Ronto wrap, which is kind of the Galaxy's Edge sort of like famous food item in addition to the blue and green milk. It was a sausage on a pita with some coleslaw on it. It was fine, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Epcot was great. Uh, I was a little hangry going into that morning because we skipped breakfast at the hotel because oh. we figured Epcot's always got a festival going on. Oh, it's yeah, like yeah. the food and wine festival, the mm. you know garden flower and garden festival, or something. We went between festivals, so oh, there no. was no festival oh. happening. All the stalls were shuttered, so we went to France. What which, a missed opportunity! They're like they're, literally at there's capacity. Like, there's like there's like a two week gap where there's no festival. We just happened to be there, yeah. So that was a bummer. But we oh, went geez. to France, which upset me because when I start the World Showcase, I start in Mexico. Yeah, you always only yeah, crazy around clockwise. Only crazy people start in Canada. But we had to start in Canada because we wanted to go to France at the patisserie to uh, get some breakfast. Okay. Patisserie was swamped. We got Archer uh, mm. croissant. Shannon and I didn't want anything there. So we left, went back to the land pavilion where living with the land and Soren oh, is. That's your favorite part. That is my favorite, favorite part. part. So I was a little hangry, dude. I was oh, Shannon man. could tell. I'm like Try not to be a jerk about it. But I'm like, I skip breakfast. There's nothing around. Everything's closed. What the heck, Epcot? Oh, that's crazy. But when we were in the land, we went to the Sunshine Seasons counter service area. Yeah. I was about to get just a random pastry or something, but they brought out some warm cinnamon buns. So I got myself a big cinnamon bun, got myself a coffee, just sat there, mm. zoned out for a little mm, bit, nice. had my coffee, my breakfast, <laughs> and we had uh, we had a lightning lane ready for Soren pretty soon, but okay. we had enough time to do Living with the Land. Oh, that's awesome. So that morning just totally got turned around. I got on Living with the Land. I learned about sustainable agriculture. I listened to some I music. Oh, it is the best ride at it's Disney World. It's a dark World. horse ride. Yeah. I love It is my favorite ride. Yeah. So that good. morning turned out to be <laughs> magnificent. And we jumped on Soren right after that. We got the top nice. spots. We didn't have to see any feet dangling in front of us. Oh, that's cool. And they had Soaring over California. So normally yeah, okay. it's the world, but at Disneyland, they do California. So for wow. a limited time, they're playing the Disneyland version. Interesting. So I think I've I think I've seen that. I think I've seen the California one one time. Yeah, sometimes they bring. Because it does like Yosemite and stuff like that, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I think I remember that. But it was cool. It was great. Um, Epcot's the best. My favorite park by far, for That's sure. That's crazy. That is a hot take. I don't think most people are with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I... 
Shan's getting close. Like she likes Epcot more and more every time. They've definitely got the best restaurants. I feel like the older sure. you get, the more you like Epcot. Because yeah. it's definitely like not a little kid park. You know what I mean? No, but they've got a new Moana area that's called the Path of Water. Oh. Where it's got like, all these fun water features where hmm. kids can like use their motion to like make eruptions and things like hmm. that. And But it all but it, in true Epcot form, it teaches you about you know, runoff and how water interacts mm. with our planet, but it's a perfect thing for Moana. So yeah, of course. it's just like, that's what Epcot is. It's just, it's brilliant and genius. And I love it's it. more educational than the rest of the park. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I love, I love that about it. Yeah. And then Magic Kingdom of course was great. You know, mm. um, we struggled to get all the rides done because mm. I woke up every morning. I had to wake up to get this darn genie plus thing Oh, because you can get it you at to do it like by day. Yes. Oh, wow. And you can, in basically to maximize what you pay, which I'm going to do because I'm just, of course, yeah. I wake up at seven, set an alarm. I can reserve a pass at 7 a.m. And you can okay. only reserve so many per day. Okay. So if you do it at seven, that means you can do one at seven, one at 11, one at one, one at three. So it's like every two or three hours. Okay. Um, and uh, so be darned, I'm going to maximize my time. So I okay. got up at seven. I got a ticket to this uh, jungle cruise and then mm. I did one for Pirates, and then I did one. But I could not get one for Haunted Mansion. Oh, Because like, it was like the timing didn't work out, or it was huh. at the same time we had another thing. So I'm like getting really scared because I need my Haunted Mansion. Oh, you got to have that. You've got the that's cloak that, and everything, man. Like, that's, that's in my top three. Yeah. So uh, luckily, after we did all the other rides, we had dinner at Skipper Canteen, which is right across from okay. Jungle Cruise. Mm -hmm. And we hear the fireworks happening while we're in the restaurant. And we're like, all right, this is That's our, the time to this go is to our time. Yeah. So we hear them happening. We're like, oh, where's the check? Where's the check? And we get the check and we just start booking it. Shannon specifically. I'm with Archer. I'm holding his hand so, you know, he don't get lost in the crowd. <laughs> She's like leaving you in the dust. She is. I have a video That's of her. Awesome. She's like beeline. That's awesome. <laughs> beeline to the haunted mansion. Fireworks going off above her head. She's That's like, nope, not ignoring the fireworks. She don't care. We walked on to Haunted Mansion, That's which awesome. had like an hour and a half wait all day. That is the time to do it is during the fireworks. Yeah. You can ride like three or four things during the fireworks. Yeah. yeah. So we were eating during most of it, but we walked on to Haunted Mansion. That was the last ride of the day. It was nice. fantastic. That's they awesome. added a new ghost called the Hatbox Ghost, which oh. they had tried to add before, couldn't get the technology right. Okay. Because his face disappears and appears in his, into his little oh, hat box or okay. lantern or whatever yeah, he's holding. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Haunted Mansion ruled. That's cool. The food was great. We had at Magic Kingdom, they have pizza and cheeseburger flavored spring rolls so you bite into the mm. spring roll and it tastes like a mcdonald's cheeseburger wow it's like amazing and some more stuffed with pizza too those were just delicious we mm. had some dole whips we had tons of mickey pretzels archer got a little oh, mickey pop yeah. yeah this one was like a reddish dole whip but it was mm. marvelous um went to t-rex diner at disney springs to celebrate archer's birthday he got oh yeah that was he, like he was a champ he we told him we would get the the big yeah, you wanted to dessert. Get, like, the dry ice yes. dinosaur head thing. So it was called the chocolate extinction, right? And it said, it yeah. described it, you know, chocolate cake sprinkled with candy. Yeah. We're like, okay, great. That sounds good. He, it comes out. He gets excited. It's freaking Butterfinger. He oh. is allergic to peanuts. <sighs> that is the candy. Oh my Not gosh. for one second did we think sprinkled with candy meant Butterfinger butter chunks. That's not an assumed candy. No. So it no, came no, you would say that. It came out oh and Shannon gosh. literally has to say, No, no, stop. It's Butterfinger. And like oh. you saw him just I just Oh, that's oh terrible. I was crushed. Oh man. So he had seen oh. yeah, I, I just went into you know sad parent <laughs> mode and what are you gonna do though? Well I mean, he 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 saw a um 
a little stuffed dinosaur with like one of those like microwavable things. You can like make it smell like lavender if you microwave mm. it. And he was thinking about buying it with his own money. I said, hey, if you can cover up this memory with that dinosaur, yeah. I will get it for you right now. Yeah. He's like, okay, okay, deal. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. Wow. Because I was just. What a chance. He's been thinking about that for months. Did the restaurant like, like do anything? Because they didn't like. You would think that. They didn't. They didn't do anything wrong. <coughs> I mean, it didn't say peanut or anything. No, they I said. Think. But they said candy. Yeah. I don't know. We didn't tell know. him that it was he was allergic to it because we didn't think. Yeah. That. Why would you. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, yeah, Damn. that was a little bit rough. But we got there. It Jeez. was great. Um, we went to Ohana at Polynesian, which is always delicious. Yeah. Um, we tried the Regal Eagle in Magic Kingdom, which is uh, mm. like a Sam Eagle from Muppets themed oh, yeah. barbecue joint. Oh, cool. Um, so that was solid. That was really solid. Huh. Skipper Canteen is like my favorite. That was marvelous. Mm. I got a, uh, a hanger steak that was cooked really well, a true medium, which nice. I'm like, thank you for that. That's cool. Um, and uh, yeah, overall, everything was uh, everything was great. It's um, awesome. Two nights ago, had a rough night because we were trying to help Archer with his math homework. Mm-hmm. His teacher said, Oh, just ask your parents. They'll remember. Oh, boy. Guess what? <laughs> no. Shannon had to write a letter to the teacher oh saying, hey, yeah, even after a YouTube video, I don't understand this. Jeez. What this was it on? Like what? Fractions. But they're using some sort of like like bar to visualize. The, I don't. I Dude, um, I don't even get it. It's Yeah, math is like it's done very differently now than when we were kids. Man, and we're trying. We're trying to learn about it. But, dude, it's just. I stopped trying. I can't do it. It's, I'm like, it's I barely, so bad. I didn't understand it that well when I was going no, through exactly. It. We were and both terrible at math. Like, I don't have time for this. Terrible. And then, as you know, yesterday um, I get to work and my car battery dies. That's right. And oh, then, gosh. so I was like, okay, no big deal. I'll get <laughs> Shannon to pick me up. I'll go get a battery. So I did. You know, thanks to you, I took the battery out. Yeah, because they charge you like a little life lesson here. So if you haven't replaced your battery in a while, um, they will charge. Well, I don't know if this is every state. Maybe this is a state by state thing. But at least in Virginia, you have to pay like. I want to say it's like $25 or something this like that. This one was 20 as a recycling fee. at Batteries Plus. Yeah. So you have to bring in your old battery and then you get that fee So is it like a, is it like a um, statewide like environmental thing to make sure that so. you're not disposing of your battery in a bad way? I think anyone who way? sells a battery, they have to charge you that fee unless you're trading in an old battery. Interesting. So that you don't have a bunch of just dead batteries everywhere yeah. you know so it's to help incentivize to get it back and recycle yeah and i sure enough i saw it pop up you know 20.99 minus 20.99 right there, there on the thing one. there you go yep. brian was right you saved yourself a trip because yeah. last time i went to do that i think i had like 30 days or something to bring it back and it was life was crazy it was around the holidays and all this kind of stuff and i was like well i need the battery i think it was two batteries because my truck has two batteries. So I did that and I was like, oh, okay, I'll make it back to there. I never made it back in time. And then I was like, on it. I was out like 40, 50 bucks. Yeah. And then I still recycled them. I still took them to like the transfer station yeah. did the whole thing, but it was like, I didn't get any money back for it. I was like, they just got my money. Oh, so wow. because of that, I took my battery out, mm-hmm. locked all my doors manually. Shannon came, took me, you know, we got the battery. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this morning I drive in, go mm-hmm. to open my car. Yeah. I can't open my car now because my key for whatever reason, has some sort of electrical component that mm. is unlocking. It looks like a manual key. It's not even one of those flick out things. It always mm. it, it's always out, mm. um, but it does have a fob attachment on it. So I guess yeah, yeah. it's got some sort of sensor. But I'm turning like, it left, nothing's happening. I'm turning it right, nothing's happening. Huh. So I need to now get her to pick me up again today. Oh, go home, 
get the thing on my top drawer that's like just the old school key. It's just got like the Honda yeah, logo the Valley, on it. Valley on, key or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I hope hopefully I hope that works. works. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Because I, I know, know like a lot of, <coughs> I mean, it depends on the car, but a lot of cars have like chips. If it even even, I mean, a lot of them are just fobs now. Yeah. But ones that have an actual key, there's like a chip in the head of the key. I know. I worry about that. But it's like, what do you do if your battery's dead? Like you're just locked out of your car forever? Like yeah. that doesn't seem no like a great solution. Seems weird. And it's, I've only got a keyhole in the driver's side door. It's a 2009, so it's not, not a new car. Yeah, but I mean. So hopefully yeah, that works because if that doesn't work, throw a brick through the window like and i can't <laughs> what are you gonna do i guess call a locksmith yeah i'm gonna call I mean, a locksmith um or you can try and pick your own locks i'm sure there's youtube he, videos out there yeah but with that like you know the the manual locks on this car go side to side so oh, it's not like you can't even like get you can't, up, use you can't like pull one of those J bars or whatever yeah to do yeah it. well maybe I you know. can i Sounds don't know like a challenge yeah so that that is my that is my <laughs> how much does a locksmith project. cost and how much is it worth it you know like gosh. yeah we might we might be able to have one through our insurance we've got really good car insurance um okay. through usaa yeah. i love them so they've okay. always they've always we pay yeah. a little bit extra for us at an additional level of service like we get free towing okay. and stuff like that yeah so we, then they might be able to send we might have out. somebody yeah. yeah so we'll try that next wow. interesting that's what's going on with me wow let's keep that in mind because yeah cars are just getting more and more complex yes and that's 2009 that's not even that recent but yeah, interesting. We have one story. We used to have a Pontiac Aztec. I did. We had a story where the, the Pontiac Aztec had the chip in the key yes. kind of a thing. And there was a problem with those Aztec locks where the key would sometimes jam oh, a yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. Mine did that too. Sometimes it would jam while it was on. Yeah. And you had a hard time turning the car yep. off. We had ours jam where we were not able to start the car. Ah. So this was right before we were supposed to drive up for Thanksgiving. And. It was like, I want to say it was like Thanksgiving Eve or like maybe two days before Thanksgiving or something right around the holidays when like definitely nobody wants to be doing any work. Um, and we were stuck at the offices at our old space. And I think we had like done some like after work training or some social thing at the office. And so we weren't leaving the office until like eight o'clock at night or something like that. This is with our kids when they were really young. And we go to start the car and it's like, Rachel, I can't, I can't get this car started. Like something is wrong with this key fob thing and i was like i can't call anybody like at eight o'clock at night or whatever i tried calling some people but there was no one available so and we had that's when both the kids were in car seats and i was like I, who am i gonna even call to like come pick us up and they would have to have the car seats and they'd have to like make multiple trips to bring us like one you know i was just like forget it we're just gonna sleep at the office <laughs> so we just slept on the sofa <laughs> yeah and law enforcement to, took issue with that they did come and check on us you know because it's like who are these weird people that are just sleeping in this office park in the middle of the night? I remember that. Um, so it was oddly reassuring. It's like, I guess they do yeah. randomly go around and check to make sure things one of aren't the, weird. One of the days <laughs> that um, we started really looking for a new car was when I had the Aztec and I was out of town and Shannon was driving the Aztec. Oh, she yeah. was so peeved at that, how, how difficult thing? it was to turn off. Yeah, she's mm. like, we are getting rid of this thing. Luckily, it kind of died like a couple weeks later. So yeah. forced her hand. But yeah, she... Yeah. I was like, yeah, you just kind of got to wait a little while. Sometimes it takes like 10 minutes of fiddling with it before you can turn it off. She's like, what? Yeah. I was like, I was used to it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot you get used to with stuff like that. Um, there's a reason that Pontiac's not a company anymore. But anyway, um, cool. Okay. You good? Yeah. Is that it? Cool. All right. Give your voice a rest now. I yes, sir. Do more talking. You're hanging in there. You're being a trooper. Um, yeah. So um, 
you know, it was good timing because my whole family was sick. So Yay. that was fun. Kids got sick first. They were home for multiple days from school, oh, right. which is fun. So yeah, we definitely That's don't right. have a lot going around, uh, going on at the office. So having to juggle that. And the great thing is we have two kids. So one of them being sick means that we still get to do all the school driving with the other one. But then one of us also has to be at home. That's right. That was right so, before I left. I forgot. Right before you left. Yes. Both oh. kids got sick. Ellie was sick longer than Joseph. Yep. She missed like three days of school. It was over. This was over a long weekend too. So she was sick at the start of it, stayed sick through the weekend, and then maintained sick. Like she had a fever. She had all the stuff. Um, thankfully, oh. no like stomach stuff. This was mostly yeah. like flu type stuff. We COVID tested all that. It wasn't anything like that. But it was, you know, just lots of achy feverish you know hot and cold and that type of thing so both kids had that rachel had a little bit of a fever too for a couple of days there i never had a fever but i got the sore throat thing i sounded like you last week except i had like more pain like sore yeah throat no pain with no it. pain yeah. over here i'm just you know yeah or congestion mine was yeah mine was not the most fun so i ended up you know i kind of just i ended up like working from home a little bit more you know which kind of helped rachel out you know with the kids and driving and all that kind of stuff so it was you know we're at the point now where both kids are they've got activities they're whatever we're carpooling every day is just a little bit of chaos and madness so we're kind of just getting used to it but it's like oh, okay like wake up schedule changes every day based on all the various illnesses and people things happening and had a lot of illnesses with other people here at work too. There's definitely like stuff going around. Everywhere. Yeah. So just like the number of like, Oh, we got this plan. Oh, no, can't do this meeting today. Or, Oh, okay. We got to cover for this person today. You know, that's like been the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Rachel's um, covering for like three people right now. I know it's crazy. Some plan, some unplanned, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. You know, life is, life is interesting. Um, so honestly, I didn't mind having the extra time last week. So that was helpful for me. Um, and then, yeah, I was looking back at like, how long has it been? Like, what has even happened? I had to actually look at my calendar and look at like pictures on my phone to be yeah. like, what's even happened in the last two weeks for the pencast. Um, but last pencast that we did is when we, it was, um, Fat Tuesday. So we had just done our brunch and all that kind of stuff. I remember talking about that. Yep. And I was like, okay, what's everything happened since then? Well, we had Valentine's Day was the day after that, which was also Ash Wednesday. Um, so that's when everybody started to get sick in the house and when the kids really started to get sick. So basically our Valentine's Day was Rachel stayed home with sick kids and I went to church for Ash Wednesday, which is a not the most fun church service to go to because it's a lot like, you know, it's pretty somber. So we came back and I was like, this is not the ideal Yay. Valentine. It was like, we're just going to not worry about Valentine's Day this year. We never do I anything like for Valentine's Day. Yeah. It's just like, you know, whatever. We do other things for each other. Yeah. But, you know, we just kind of like, whatever, we'll do something on the weekend. And then everybody was sick anyway. So we were like, we're just going to skip it this year. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've kind of, we've agreed <laughs> that that's just not going to be a thing for us anymore. Yeah. It's fair. I mean, yeah, I just show love every day. Yeah. Um, but then, so that weekend, this is before I started to get sick. I would like had a little thing that like, you know, you get that you sort of get that like taste in the back of your throat where you're like, oh crap, it's coming. It's coming. So, um, I had that happen, but I'm really glad that I, my sickness held off because, um, I have a friend of mine from college who lives nearby. Um, it was celebrating his 40th birthday. So his wife had reached out to me, um, you know, several weeks prior about, um, hosting him for like a guy's day kind of a thing. And I was like, oh, that sounds really cool. Um, so he actually had 
a friend, an older friend of his who I actually also knew him from college, but I have not seen this guy in 20 years. He's, he's in the air force and he like flies planes and all kinds of stuff. He's got all kinds of cool stories. Um, but he lives in St. Louis, I think. Mm. So he flew out just to be with him for his 40th. So and him and another friend and they all came over and we just did like dude stuff, you know? So, um, He's, this is my friend who I've been helping make the bunk, the bunk bed for his kids. Um, so he came over and I like had these activities that was like, oh, I've got like, you know, we can work on some woodworking projects together. We can, you know, do the RC car. We can do some like hatchet throwing or like drive the tractor or stuff like that. And he came over and he's like, all right, I've got these like uh, these pieces of wood that we need to like finish up for this this bed project. And he told me he was like, yeah, he's like, we had to get rid of the toddler bed because he's like, the, the kids are just way too big now. This is his third and fourth kid that are using this toddler bed. Um, and he was like, yeah, they're just sleeping on a mattress on the floor now. And I was like, that's a fourth kid move right there. I was like, let's get this bed done for you yeah. today and you can get this thing going. So we did, we got everything done. We got the bed all wrapped up. So that was cool. So, I mean, honestly, it was a lot of fun just to be able to like, the four of us worked together and it was like pretty casual, you know? So we just got to do some woodworking and also knowing that like we're helping him and his family with like yeah. a project that also felt good, you know, to like have something to produce out of it. We weren't just like wasting, you know, whatever time. And stuff Not like how that. I want to spend my birthday, but I, I, I see the appeal, you know, Hey, look, you got four kids. It's like, that's, that's what fun looks like crossing projects off your list at that point, I guess. Um, I got two and you know, I can only imagine what it's like with twice as many. Um, but so that was kind of cool. We did get to do a little bit of welding too. Cause like part of the bed frame thing was like, you know, he wanted to do like a, you know, like the, the, uh, angle iron that like we put the bed slats on. Oh, he wanted to use yeah. metal for the angle iron. Yeah. So we had some of that and I'm, I was really proud of myself because as I've talked about in the past, when I started to get into welding, I was like basically dumpster diving to get like old bed frames and Literally. stuff like that to have like scrap metal to weld. And I got to use literally got to use a like cut up old bed frame that I had pulled out of the the dump and we got to give it new life as a bed. And and I was just like, yes, I, you know how that goes. Cause like a couple of weeks ago, yes, we had all these things where it's like, Oh, we need to reference this pen. And I was like, I have that, that very obscure thing that I've held on to that. Everybody like looked at me. It's like, we talked about your, your, your intentional hoarding, you know, the longer time goes on here, the more I'm validated. Just like Adrian Monk. You'll thank me later. Quantity is quality. Quantity is quality. That's right. That is so funny. So my hoarding tendencies do pay off they from do. time to time just enough to keep me hoarding um probably not enough to justify how much i hoard but anyway um but that was pretty cool that was a nice little full circle thing because angle iron is expensive if you go and buy it oh my gosh so as soon as my friend was telling me like oh, i've got to go buy this angle iron I was is like, that just like a really long l shape yeah yeah okay yeah it's just a metal l shape thing yeah. it's just steel you know but i mean i think if you buy like a four foot section of it at home depot it's like forty dollars and he needed like 16 feet of it. So it would have cost him like hundreds of dollars. And I was like, no, 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 I got you. At first I was like, well, I got a metal place that I know that you can go, you can probably get it cheaper. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I have old bed frames. That is amazing. That I fished out of the dumpster. That is amazing. And cut up and stuff like that. And I was like, we can totally use this. And so we were I able to use it. So and we got much. to like drill all the holes that he needed to be drilled. And there were some pieces that were like too short. So we welded them together. And, you know, it was just like the welding wasn't totally necessary for this project. But, you know, it was kind of cool because it was actually this friend and one of the other guys who was there. They were the ones who I went with, I guess this was two summers ago, maybe. 
but I like went up to like their dad's house, which was like an hour north of us. And that's the first time I ever welded. Like we did like a guy's trip together for the day to go up there so that we could use his dad's welding equipment. And that was my introduction to welding. And that's like what got the ball rolling for me. So now here we are again, like two years later, welding again for my friend's birthday. And it's like, wow, look how far we've come since, you know, two years. So it was like, it's a very cool kind of just like full circle kind of thing like that. Right. So it's like, I don't know, you could easily for a milestone birthday like this being like, oh man, I feel old, blah, blah, blah. But it was like, no, it's like, oh, I feel like wiser, you know, like I've things that I thought about maybe needing for the future is now paying off here. And it's just like really, it was, it was more of like a, I'm aging, but in a really constructive way. That's actually a really healthy way to look at it. Yeah. 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 You're making progress. You're developing yourself. Exactly. Life is not yet over. Exactly. There are new frontiers yet to be explored. That's right. But it definitely, like I am thinking about that more, not necessarily because of the number like 40, because you and I are both like, it's knocking at the door. Like it's a couple of weeks away. Yep. 40, right? So, I mean, and 40 is not really that old in the grand scheme of things, but it's definitely older than it used to seem um, or used whatever, used older than whatever. Things start to speed up now. They do start to speed up. Yes. Um, but where was I going with all that? I had a thought and I might have just lost it, but uh, I forgot it. Darn it. But, okay. oh, well, maybe it'll come back to me. But either way. So we did some welding. We did the RC car. It was fun. Beat it up a little bit. Um, and then threw some hatchets and knives and nice. stuff like that. And it was pretty fun. So got to pack in all kinds of just fun activities, good fellowship, got some stuff done, helped out his family. So that was a pretty great day. That's solid. Like, you know, and yeah. I think that just kind of the casual nature of it, like those are the friends you want to have, friends that you don't need yeah. to have an itinerary with. Yeah. People exactly. that are on your level. It's your same place in life, mm-hmm. you know. And sometimes, you know, events like that can feel exhausting because of like, oh, we're supposed to do this, then we're going to do this, then we're going to do this. Yeah. If you just kind of like play it by ear and like, hey, y'all want to throw some hatchets? Great. Yeah. Well, it's like all these friends too, they're like, you know, I have, I don't have a lot of time for a lot of social activities outside of work. So there's like lots of family stuff and that's pretty much it. Like just not a lot of time. So like when I do get social time like that, especially because it's like, I don't pay attention to sports i didn't i literally didn't even know who was playing in the super bowl until it happened you know just so i just don't pay attention to any of that stuff you know which can limit some social whatever yeah um but when i have other people that are also like serial project people got that nerd hobby bend to them i'm like yeah this can work you know and i'm like a friggin paradise for them because i uh, go deep on several different fronts so it's Put on like, your scuba gear it's, yeah it's like it's like a party whenever they can come over and play with some of my stuff so and i get to justify it all so i was about to say that it's pretty, it pretty cool um and then um you know you know i'm a fan of uh rocks and carrying rocks and, and buckets. buckets yes sir yep so i had uh you know um in my little bridge project that i recently finished i think i talked about that right like oh yeah you showed it. a picture yep so i used up the rest of the gravel that i had from the previous work that I had done because I had like just a pile of gravel. Um, so I used up the rest of it and I was like, well, I'm going to go ahead and get more gravel because I'm going to need more. Well, so why yeah. don't you just wait until you need more? Well, I kind of do need more because okay. like, like I did all the edging along my driveway yeah. and it's like starting to sink down a little bit more. So it's not to the point where it's like 
you know, but it's you like just one saw to two that your, your your rock pile is getting small and it upset well, you. Well, it's like it's a, like this this won't do it all. Well, I used up all the gravel. I need mean my gravel mountain, and I haven't fixed that like culvert pipe like further down the way that got like totally washed out. I haven't fixed that yet, and I think I'm going to need more gravel for that. And I was like, I'm going to need gravel anyway, so it's like I might as well just call the folks and get how a mu- whole how much, dump truck. How much gravel is that? 18 tons. The whole big dump truck like not quite tractor trailer size but like half the length of a tractor trailer. but you know like that truck driving down your driveway is it's part of the problem yes <laughs> that's why i need the gravel <laughs> you know i love justifying my own projects it's with the very up. projects themselves right you know yes. like, i need the tools so that i can have the shed and i need the shed so that i have somewhere to put the tools right um yeah so Anyway, I got a big old pile of gravel delivered. 18. 18 tons. tons. It's a big old pile. Wow. Big old pile. But I got it dumped like where the gravel already is. So I don't have to like worry about moving it or anything. I can just sort of chip away at it. I'll probably end up moving it anyway. But When you're bored. Last last time I got it delivered in my driveway, which is paved, which was fine, you know, because it was like, you know, the truck didn't have to drive into the yard and leave ruts and all that kind of stuff. The problem is when you get a bunch of gravel and it's like the crusher run gravel. So it's not like just rocks. It's like rocks and a lot finer stuff too. So that actually like it packs better for things like driveways and stuff like that. Um, but it leaves a lot of dust behind. So like last time I did that, I scooped everything off the driveway, but then I literally had to like power wash the driveway to get the remaining stuff off there. And I was like, I don't want to have to do yeah. all that on top of everything. So I had to drop it in a different place and, you know, have you thought about building one of those, you know, out of like cinder block or whatever, one of those kind of like scooping backdrop things that you see? Like, you know, there are different bays mm. for different like, you know, dirt, gravel, whatever. Yeah. That like, you know, it's basically like just a just a bay with a back wall. So you yeah, can drive yeah, up yeah. to it and so, scoop yeah. up against a, yeah, a yeah. barrier. I've never thought about building that, but I I already have the piles of stuff. Yeah, I think, I've, I've seen. Because I've dug log graves you know, and we, I have gravel we, piles. We, we both grew up in, you know, the same rural area, and yeah. I, I've seen those done. That's like, not uncommon. Yeah, yeah, I've seen. Sure. It's pretty rudimentary. I've seen them just yeah. like basically just with cinder blocks. You know, just yeah. different bays for different. You know, yeah. You know, usually, I never just thought like about that. You dirt, mulch, gravel. I think Rachel would love if I had that, especially if we could see it from the sunroom in the house. I mean, like you said, the piles are there anyway. <laughs> I know. You, I was just thinking, would it, would it make it easy for you to, you know, scoop it? With it's your, not really a problem to no, scoop okay. it. Yeah, yeah, it's not really an issue. It's the kind of thing like if I was like doing it all day long every yeah. day, it'd be more of an issue. Cool. But, you know, gravel doesn't. It's pretty heavy, so it it doesn't go that far on its yeah, own. Yeah, I guess you it know? would be. I guess like something like mulch would probably be you know easier because it. Yeah, because that'll like push, push a little bit more. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, I haven't had a big. Well, I've got a grapple too for the tractor, so when I do mulch, I, oh, I can grab it. Like, yeah. Nice. Like a big claw. Yeah, perfect. So yeah, yeah. But that, I'll think about that. That's uh, see if I need. I mean, that. you like to organize. I do like building. Yeah, things. Yeah, organize so, your piles. Yeah. Um, yeah. In my notes, I put got eighteen tons of gravel delivered because, of course, I did. Good thing I have buckets. <laughs> that was my notes. Um, so yeah. Um, and then on the on the home front, well, I'll, wait. I have one more project I can talk about, and then I can go to the family stuff. Um, so I'm working on. We have a. Um, our washing machine died a little while ago and it was a top loader. Rachel wanted a front loader. We flip flop. We've gone back and forth. We're on front load mode now. So we have the front loading washing machine, front loading dryer. But the problem is they're on the ground. We're having to like kneel down on the ground to do our laundry. 
Um, so we, you know, looked at getting like those pedestals that you can get to like lift up the yeah. dryer thing. They are so stupid expensive. Well, they have like, to be the really heavy duty. Well, they're heavy duty. And for whatever reason, like the type of the specific like washing machine that we have. You told us about it. Yeah, you're going to build yeah, some. It's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So it's like this, the only pedestal option that they have that at least matches that one um, has another built-in mini washing machine in the pedestal and it's like 800 some dollars and i'm like that is stupid yeah. not only do i not want that but i it's also really expensive so i was like forget it i'm just gonna build yeah thing so i found lots of great ideas and like pinterest and youtube and stuff like that and i was like oh it's literally just like wood and stuff and i can make it very robust so i'm in the middle of doing that now so nice. i've been in the middle of starting it for months um but yeah i was just like okay it's a good time for me to like actually move forward with that nice. so it's in process now um yeah and that's pretty cool so i am doing that um and it's going to be like essentially like a really really sturdy platform that they'll sit up on and then it's going to be like open kind of bays underneath it and i'm making it sized so that we can have like those long kind of flat are you long, doing two platforms baskets. or one i'm just going to do one all the way across yeah and then i'll have like three open holes that i'll have like like flat like laundry baskets Mm -hmm. so we can just store like shoes in there or if we want to put like you know extra dishwashing detergent and like all that kind of stuff um just extra storage from underneath it so i think that'll be pretty good and then we want to bend over quite as far to get to the stuff so you know that'll happen at some point it's probably going to be a months-long project because i keep making like this much projects you know this much progress on it at a time but that's happening. And then the last thing I have is um, on the family front. So we, we have a lot of different versions of Uno because that's like, you know, Ellie always wants to play board games. Joseph never does. Um, card games can be hit or miss. But Uno is like the one game that we can pretty reliably do as a family without a lot of objections one way or the other. So it's like we do gravitate a lot to Uno. Um, and we have different versions. We got Pokemon and Minecraft and like all these other – there's – there's a lot of versions of uno out there but there's there's now there's different versions of uno that have like different rules and different cards and stuff like that they have like all wilds and flip and all this kind of stuff well we found a new version that's called uno show them no mercy it's like it's like basically three card decks thick you get a ton of cards and it has some slightly different rules but some of the some of the cards that you have in there the special cards are like just absolutely brutal there's like the draw two and the draw four like normal but there's a draw six and a draw ten and uh there's other cards like if you play a zero then everybody has to pass their hand to the person to their left and if you have a seven then you can trade hands with somebody so do you have to buy a whole new game for that oh yeah yeah it's a whole different deck it's a whole different set you can't just use your deck you have and just no it's got i mean you've got different it's different cards that you know and you need a lot of cards (laughs) because you end up a lot of cards in your hands and you can like the objective still to get down to nothing or if you get more than 25 cards in your hand you're out so it's like you're and basically what ends up happening um, with us is like nobody ever runs out of cards. You're basically like knocking other people out. Nice. So it's pretty fun and it's pretty strategic too. Cause like if somebody like piles on a bunch and you have like 23 cards in your hand or whatever, and then you can like play a seven and then make them trade hands with you. And then it's like, Oh, it just it stinks. I like can't remember the last time I played, you know, I'm, I'm vaguely familiar with the rules, okay. but yeah, you know. there's like a skip and a reverse and like stuff like that in the basic one. And then there's like a draw two and a draw four. Yeah. Like I remember the draw cards. ones. Yeah, yeah. There's a wild okay. and stuff like that. But so we have a lot of different variations of, you know, I have all these nice. different 
these different ones. So we're, we're kind of an Uno family here. So um, that has been very fun. And that little card shuffler thing that I kind of spontaneously bought at Christmas time for the family, that thing is getting a workout with this version of Uno. Um, and I have to like split up the deck because it's so many cards. I have to shuffle it. It's like a whole shuffling adventure. Um, so yeah, that's been been pretty fun. So lots of Uno in the Goulet house. And I'm playing a lot of saxophone too. I've been practicing like crazy and I'm getting better and having a blast. Knocking out those hours. Yeah, logging your, log your hours. Log nice, hours. there we Less go. Less than 80 hours left at this point. So since I think it was January 31st, I started tracking it. Today is what, the 27th? I've been averaging 45 minutes a day of practice. You'll have Barry Manilow before you know it. <laughs> that's a good name for it. Nah, that's what you yeah. should. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, so I'm on track for June. That's the target if I keep practicing like I am, but it's pretty good. Nice. Yep. Anyway, that's what's going on in my world. Um, yeah, I think that pretty well takes care of that. We'll go ahead and wrap it up, and I do have a good fun fact for you. So hang in there. All right, I want to thank you for watching. Please leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us questions so we can answer them on future episodes of the show, especially if you have any questions for other Brian, because that guy knows a lot of random things about random things. I think you already got a pretty good list of questions based on the feedback people had from his, his um, We could always use more. You know, other spot. Yeah, okay. Um, so if you do have questions specifically for Brian K., let them know. Um, check out gooleypens.com for ink, pen, paper needs, all that kind of stuff, because that is what we do. And that's what funds all this. Um, my random fun fact is actually about the history of the card game Uno, because I was curious. So well, here's a little adventure. It's kind of a cool story. All right. So Uno was invented in 1971 by a barber named Merle Robbins in Cincinnati, Ohio. Merle's family loved to play a card game called Crazy Eights, which is kind of similar to Uno. Um, that, that game has been around since the 1930s and uses a standard deck of cards. Well, Merle got into a disagreement about the rules of Crazy Eights with his son. And to avoid more arguments in the future, he created a variation <laughs> of Crazy Eights with some slightly different rules. And that's how the game Uno was born. So they named it Uno because they just liked how it sounds. That's all. No other significance. They're just like, you know, the whole one card thing. Like, yeah, that was cool. But they just called it Uno. I like it. They liked it. Um, Merle's family weren't the only ones who loved playing Uno. His friends and community also loved it. Um, and he realized that he might have a business venture on his hands because he was a barber. He was, you know, an entrepreneur. Um, so he invested $8,000 of his own money to make 5,000 copies of the game. So at that time, that was about the equivalent of like 50 grand today. So kind of went all in, in 1971, yeah. Wow. So they started selling it in their barber shop, um, but eventually they sold their home and then took the game on the road to try to sell it, which was obviously a big financial risk. Um, he eventually connected with Robert Tizak, who was a fan of the game and another entrepreneur as well. He was a funeral director and a business investor. So um, Merle eventually sold the rights for the game Uno to this guy, Robert, for $50,000 plus 10 cents per pack for royalties. So at that time, that's about the equivalent of about a quarter million dollars today. Not bad. So he invested about 50 grand equivalent, got about quarter million plus royalties on top of that. So kind of worked out for old Merle, right? Now, I wonder if the 10 cents stayed 10 cents or if that adjusted. I don't know. I didn't get any information yeah. on that. But 
um, you know, this guy, Robert, you know, upon buying the rights, Robert founded International Games Incorporated to help market this game. He wasn't like a game guy. He was running a funeral home. A barber and a funeral yeah. director. So, yeah, funeral director bought this game from the barber um, and started International Games Incorporated to help market the game. And he ran this game company in the back offices of his funeral home. <laughs> and uh, he eventually sold that international games incorporated and thus the rights to the uno game to mattel in 1992 and mattel is now the producer of uno in all its various versions um and they've owned it to this day so i I bet he made a pretty penny too i bet he did fine i didn't get any numbers on him but it's probably more than i think it's probably probably okay yeah Probably doesn't have to do the funeral thing anymore. Doesn't want to. Um, but Uno has now sold over 150 million decks to date. And it is touted as the most popular card game in the world with 99% brand recognition. Wow. We don't have Uno in our home. You don't have any? We have like at least a dozen versions of Uno. No. I, I really, no. Miss no, honestly, sure. honestly, we should play more games as a family. We don't do any of that. Should try Uno. We all play games together, but separate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we do plenty of that. Yeah, too. <laughs> we do plenty of that too. But I'm always the one where, because like I'm working, I'm doing all kinds of projects, and I'm like, you know, after dinner time, whatever. You know, I might play saxophone and stuff like that. But it's like everybody's kind of settling, doing their own thing. That's where I'm like, hey, let's let's do something together as a family. Yeah. So like, I should, board game I should probably do that more. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it helps if you have something to like anchor it to. You know what I mean? Something you can do as a family. Like jujitsu. Yeah, of course. That's always fun. Nerf wars, you know. Um, But yeah, there you go. So that's that's the story of Uno. Nice. Very much like American Dream entrepreneur kind of a vibe. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of fun. Um, And I just appreciate the hustle. And now I'm directly benefiting. Now you like your favorite game game more. 100%. Love it. Love those kind of stories. So thought you'd be interested to know. Um, That's our little fun fact for today. So hope you enjoyed this. Again, I won't see you next week, but he will. And other Brian will. So better Brian. You'll get a different flavor of Brian. Um, Hope you enjoy that. But then I'll be back after that. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for watching again, everybody. And right on.